it was god it was nice to see clark back because even when they were doing sort of the morris code thing morris who's morris yep yep who's morris rigam morris Morris. hello and welcome to our the hunter podcast brought to you by the aficionados podcast network my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 29-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And um, if I were under the influence of that drug and I had to pick between two boxes, the colors would be... Like, I feel like my favorite color is black, but... And not in an edgy <laughs> way. But, um... <laughs> shut up! <laughs> But, like, that would be, like, not a good light, right? Right. It would be the absence of light. It would just be... Um, definitionally. Exactly. Definitionally. Well, def- what... Yeah. Shut up. Definitionally. I, that's not... That's... I sure. Know. Do you mean, like, by definition? Yeah. Is there not a word that's, like, definitionally? To fit it? I think there's, like... It's by definition for sure, but I wish there was also a word yeah. for that. I don't know. Doesn't matter. <laughs> so, black... Okay, but when I was picturing it, I was picturing it with, like, a purple hue. You know, like, neon kind of? Okay, sure. Um, so, but now I'm going to say pink and purple. Ugh. Were you going to pick pink and purple? I was thinking about it. <laughs> That's because they're the two best colors, they, and you can at me. 100% they are the two get best colors. I can switch one of mine to, like, a really nice, um... No, I have another one. I have another okay, one. Okay, 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 okay. I'm definitely taking purple from you, though. That's my favorite color. Go well. for it. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the 100 script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And the colors of my boxes would be purple and blue. Ooh, blue. Yeah, I like that. So we just have bisexual yeah. boxes. You know what? It's it's a weird innuendo to hear, to hear that sort of thing, but yes. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> I've watched enough Drag Race to know what that means, ma'am. <laughs> oh, I needed that laugh so much. <laughs> you know what I meant. So, Brittany and I are not together this week. Um, I am home back in Alberta. I came to surprise my mom for her birthday. The video is very cute. Which was super fun and great. But, yeah, I feel bad that I wasn't gonna be. I wasn't able to be with you this week. I feel like you might have needed me. I think it was better that I was on my own. Okay. Yeah, it was actually a lot better that I was on my own because then I could just kind of process the way I needed to, you know, and just, uh, you know, I, I honestly, yeah. I had to immediately go back mm-hmm. to work because I was in the middle of writing an article. So yeah. Yeah. Today we have words to say about episode 609 of the 100, what you take with you, which is a Star Wars quote, question mark? I guess so. Having seen the episode, would you say that it is still potentially a Star Wars quote because last week when I googled it that's what I got. I don't don't see any of the parallels but I don't have like a lot of brain space for this episode right now so I'm sorry guys. Right. But other than like the whole we are walking into a cave thing. Yeah that was my whole theory was like oh okay they're in a cave and there's you know I guess maybe some of the visions. Yeah. Like seeing visions in forests is very Star Wars so yeah maybe there. I mean, like, literally, like, if you go less subtextually, it's like, you know, Octavia is taking things with her. Yeah. And now she's deciding, deciding to potentially let them go. Yeah. Uh, Tudor boo, Brittany. I feel like I'm not qualified to, like, make this call right now. Because, like, emotionally, it's, like, such a boot. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, I feel like I have to tutor boot it by storyline. 
Sure. So like fair. Octavia, hard boot. Mm-hmm. Um, Cabby, the biggest boot that's ever existed. Bellamy and Clark, like that's a that's a two. Like it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah sure. That's pretty good. Yeah. I would have to agree. If I were to go um, storyline by storyline, I would say on Octavia, I'm so sorry, but it's it's a boot. It's almost like a scoot. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it. But um, the Bellamy and Clark storyline, I'll toot. And then the Cabbie storyline, I'm kind of just like newt at. Yeah. So, yeah. I think overall, I would probably newt it. I would agree with that. I mean, like, it's not fair for me to judge because I, I can't be objective about it at this point in time. Right. And yet, But hey, people don't come to this podcast for us to be objective. Like, we do a little bit of objective stuff, as in, like, we, we're not negatively, like, not objective. What's the word for that? Subjective? Mm-hmm. Is that the word? I don't know. I just ate a blizzard from Dairy Queen, and so that's what's on my mind right now. To be Oh my god, I also just ate ice cream. I love that for us. I love that for us! Yeah, I was like, Brittany, I'm just finishing my lunch. And in reality, I had finished my lunch and I was eating my blizzard. But I knew that you would you would respect that. So Yeah, I do. But my yeah. question is, what kind of blizzard was it? It was uh, one of the O. Henry ones. And I'm going to be so sad when they get rid of it because it says a limited time. And I'm <gasps> sad. <gasps> oh. so, yeah, R.I.P. What was I saying? Oh, people don't come here for us to be objective. Like, we're specifically objective on, like, being negative. Mm-hmm. But we want to talk about our favorite characters and we want to talk about the things that we like and when the things that you like are um treated poorly you're still allowed to be subjective about that i think yeah you're right our objectivity comes from understanding that everyone has a favorite character and the actions of that character like determine their likability for some people but not all people and so it's like you know if you hate echo or you hate abby or whatever like we are not going to be sit here and bash them, but I will definitely, I mean, we should probably like disclose, like I'm not covering the cabbie story this week. Yeah. I honestly, I just, I'm not prepared to yet. Um, I definitely will. There's just a lot of different factors that have determined like how I respond to that storyline. And one of them is I'm just like, I'm such a big baby right now. (laughs) I'm such a big baby. I'm just not ready there's also, like, I need to find a way to eloquently speak on it where people aren't going to subtweet about it, which I've seen a lot of. Like, you know, people saying the cabbie fans, like, deserved this and, you know. Which is an example of things that exactly. we would not say as people who are objective about Exactly. Nice, so, you know, um, I've seen people laughing, like, just celebrating, like, you know fellow human beings being in pain and so I don't want to give them any ammo so it might be like a mm-hmm. cop-out that I don't talk about it this week but I want to be we able to hear from you next week yeah it's chill I just I need to be able to do that relationship and my relationship with them justice without sounding melodramatic mm-hmm. and I don't want to cry so, <laughs> are you okay to do t- thoughts from listeners right now or <clears throat> yeah, yeah 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 I'm yeah I'm good I'm a winner <clears throat> oh I've been new I'm a winner. I can do this. Okay. So now it's time for thoughts from listeners. We have lots of cool stuff from last week from uh, our favorite people, our listeners, obviously. Um, So uh, we've got a few corrections like we always do. Like, hey, you guys said something dumb. Let me just fig- like, like tell you what's actually up. We, we thank you so much for that every single time because we can't get everything right. Um, No, we can't. And we're, <laughs> we're only so smart. 
I want you guys to know that on the Stranger Things podcast recently, instead of calling Sam Owens Dr. Sam Owens, I've just been calling him, you know, the nice doctor from Alien. And I've just, <laughs> I haven't been looking it up. I just haven't. Which is, I'm like, you know, everyone knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> Which is so weird because, so, like, that's so odd for you to do. I know. I was like, but I can never remember his name. And then we watched Stranger Things 3, and here we are. Anyway, okay, thoughts from listeners. Sam, text me back. One second. If y'all hear me sniffling, it's because in the background, I'm being a huge baby. But I'm- <laughs> Is baby. I, is baby, but I am- I'm gonna suck it up. Because oh, I am a winner, and this is just a TV show. So if you want your thoughts read out on the podcast, uh, you should use hashtag the100AF, and that's how we know that uh, you want it read on the podcast. So- we would love to hear from you. All right. At XO Lovelyoni underscore SS. So I'm listening to the 608 pod right now, and Raven didn't tell Abby that Kane is dead because of her. She said an innocent man is already dead, aka Gavin being wiped. So not helping Abby right now would just make his death pointless at this point. So what was it that you said last podcast? That I was stupid? I feel like yeah. I feel like we went over this, but yeah, um, that was, I was r- listening to our podcast uh, last week and I was like, oh, duh, she means Gavin, not Kane. I was like, oh, yeah, hmm, yeah. Right. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. She means that Gavin is dead because of her, not that Kane is dead. Gotcha. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, at King's Token, I think in the Abby, Raven, and Gavin scene, Abby was very close to changing her mind. That's why she couldn't look Gavin in the face or interact Agreed. with him, because if she saw him as an individual, she wouldn't be able to do it. I also think Simone sensed that Raven might be swaying Abby, and that what Gavin was saying was not helping their cause, and that's why Simone yep. drugged him when she did, almost mid-sentence, because they needed Abby to make the night blood. I definitely think that's true. One other thing, I think that Abby says she can't make more Nightblood because earlier in the season, Jackson says they don't have a fully stocked OR, so they probably only had a a limited amount of the components to make Becca's serum. That turned out to be true. Um, And I don't know if that's, like, fully completely true, but definitely something like it is definitely true. At Merced underscore 0411, that's M-E-R-C-E-D underscore 0411. Uh, I don't speak Chinese, but somebody posted the words in 607 meant personal belongings. Oh, Okay. So thank you to whoever figured that out. Appreciate it. Um, at Lisa Powell 92, uh, this is more of a 607 thought, but I just remember that when you were talking about Gabriel knowing Josie in multiple bodies, the painting Josie finished of her first face the night she came back as Clark, she was working on it in her last body the night Josie the seventh died. Oh, My brain yeah. was like, those are two different paintings. They're but not. Now that I'm like no. thinking about it, I'm like those are clearly the same painting and oh my god she like woke up in her next body and was like oh good now i can finish this painting okay that me as hell yeah i'm like okay i was in the middle of a craft when i died hello um and then lastly we have a few points from subatomic fox on soundcloud for some reason i think Riker may have committed suicide once before maybe more than once he was the ninth and everyone else seems to be the seventh or something like that um and then just got put back in another body. And at that point concluded that he was even more disrespectful to the people who gave up their bodies to the prime to then try to kill those bodies. Thus the little mementos he keeps from his host's lives. He, he'd need someone to be in cahoots with them to get his mind drive wiped, destroyed, etc. Odds are this is wrong or won't be explored at all. I just wanted to throw this thought out there on the off chance that it's right. I love that. I totally agree. I think I said something yeah. to this effect at some point, but I definitely agree that we will not be actually No, we, we won't. So <laughs> I'm going with that. I like that. Yeah, it's definitely a headcanon in my head, is that, like, he's definitely, like, tried to do some sort of protest um, towards this thing, and then it ended up just not working, and he was too much of, he was just too 
scared to do anything else. I genuinely yeah. love that theory. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Dioza was just poking Gabriel to try to suss out weak spots that she could use later. Murphy does this too, just antagonizes people to see where their pain points are. But Dioza is a much better at turning that kind of information into something useful down the line. <laughs> so that's when she had been making yeah. fun of him about Josie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that cracks me up because one, that's true. And two, Murphy really needs to go to the Dioza school for sass. Yeah. Well, bad news. <laughs> She's alive, okay? I really expected to get something from her this uh, yeah. This episode. I thought we were maybe going to get some answers. I mean, Gabriel thought he was going to get some answers, too, and he didn't. Yeah, so. That's a good point. That's something that I found really disappointing about that storyline, is that he was like, so what's in the anomaly? She's like, I don't know. And I'm like, hello? And I guarantee you, that's the end of that. <laughs> hello? I guarantee we will now never know what happened in the anomaly. <laughs> I feel like the innocence of not Bayless gets brought up a lot in the fandom, and it always rubs me the wrong way because he may not be as bad as Bayless, but he was still actively trying to murder Amori after breaking into the mansion to steal stuff. Okay, points were made. That's definitely true. That's that's a that's a good point. <laughs> I still don't know if he like deserved to be like cooked. Yeah, I literally like Basically. I was like, oh, that's such a good point. I, I have my finger raised. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Oh. Uh, We saw Lexa and Titus training the future commanders a bit in season three. I know a lot of it was fighting, but some of it was probably mental conditioning and stuff. And we see Gaia trying to get Maddie to focus and meditate Mm -hmm. and stuff. Probably most people who became commanders would have had years of training to both physically and mentally prepare for the pressure. And Maddie didn't have that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And so it's like, where's Gaia? She got banished, remember? But where is she? I don't know. I definitely think we should, like, yeah, good point. Because, like... Bellamy and Clark are out there running around the woods. She's one of our characters. Like, How would they not run into freaking Gaia? Mm-hmm. All right. Interesting. All right. So would you like to talk about Balark or Oc- oh, what did I call them? Octave- Octavriel first. Octavriel? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm like, Govtavia? No. It's Octavriel. Okay. Let's do- Or Octavriel. You say Balark, okay. I say Bellark, but- Either one. Let's do that one first. Okay. Robin's doing the summaries this week because... Sadness. As I mentioned. Yeah, I'm sure. As you know, sadness. As you know, I sad. I sad. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. Belle and Josie are walking through the forest. Josie has a small seizure, telling Bellamy that it's getting worse and she needs to go back. Bellamy won't let Josie go back because then she'll kill Clark with an EMP. The cogs won't help. They'll just kill her, so that's not helpful. Bellamy cuts himself and puts his red blood on Josie's forehead to make her look normal. The cogs find them and take them prisoner. That was pretty genius. Yes, I also wanted to say thank you to Bellamy for not cutting open his entire hand whenever he needs blood, because it feels like in every single show, someone's like, I need three drips of blood, time to cut open my entire hand. Yep, and I'm like, congratulations, you've just taken your hand out of, like, commission for a while. I was like, Bellamy, thank you. I didn't even have to wince that time. (laughs) I love that. This is why I love Bellamy. Because he doesn't. Because he's not stupid. He's not. He's like, sometimes he's an extra hoe. But sometimes he's like, "Mm, I'm only going to injure myself as far as I need to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I know that it has been said by um, the writing staff before that, like, they are not planning at least this season, maybe even for the entire show, a Balark even storyline at all mm-hmm. but i gotta say like through the whole time i was like i know that they said they're not doing that but like i was kind of expecting it this whole episode with them really why 
Yes. Well, well, you know, in, in this scene, she's saying like, oh, like you clearly care more about Clark than you care about anybody else. And then like later she's like, um, that's a weird relationship or like, and then she's like, say what you need to say to her. And like this whole thing. And I'm like, what's going on? That's a good point. I, I take like, your point. The whole time I was like, what's happening here? And nothing happened. And I was like, I knew nothing was going to happen, but yeah, I kind of see why people are upset. I think, you know I think I mean? why I watched it and I was like, huh? is because like in my brain, I'm like, they've said it so many times. I'm just like, okay, it's not going to happen. So whatever is put on screen, I'm just like, okay, well, they can't possibly be implying what it sounds like they're implying. Mm-hmm. But of course, when you point it out, it's like, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is a lot. And I, I understand why people are upset about it, because even though they have said they're not going to do it, it does definitely raise questions. For, for me. me, it's just kind of like, um, I, I I know this is stupid, but Bob and Eliza being married changes the way I watch those scenes. Sure. I mean, while they were doing this, they weren't yet married, but they were clearly like a thing at this point, right? Exactly. Like, <laughs> like this whole thing was like, what, late 2018, early 2019? Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, we don't know the Bob and Eliza relationship timeline, because like, that's not our business. But yeah, you know, it kind of sounds like something that might be true. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what happened between them, obviously. But like, it does color how you how I personally watch it, where I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, those are two people who, like, they're married now. Yeah. So it kind of... Like, y'all are just talking in weird accents at each yeah. other. <laughs> like, why, did, why don't you sound Australian? Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely... Hmm. I mean, I'm not, like, one who's going to be like, I don't see I don't see the romantic chemistry between them, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm not that petty, like, ass, right? I'm just like, oh, I didn't watch it that way, and now I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely something. There's an en- there an energy going on. There's an yeah. energy for yeah. sure. Like, and then like it. There was this moment where she was like, "Just tell her what you want to tell her and stuff." And it's just like this pause that's like charged with it's something. Like, what does that mean? I don't know what it is. And then he goes, "I won't let you die." And I'm like, "Okay, weird that I kind of thought there was going to be like a <laughs> confession there or something." Even though I know that they've said they're never going to do it, but I'm like, "But they just there's this thing, and it's it's." I mean, I would say that in the early seasons, I was a Balark shipper. Of all the things, like, I mean, now I'm a Murphy girl, but um, <laughs> in the earlier seasons, I was definitely a Balark shipper. And this is the most, this is the most Balark that I've ever seen in an episode yeah. without him even hardly ever talking to Clark. Yeah, I was going to say, it's the most that they've done for it lately, even though Clark isn't there. Yeah. And I mean, I understand that they're trying to be like, hey, you know, two people can actually be like absolute best friends. Yeah. And there's no romance between them. I'm like, yeah, I have tons of friendships like that, you know? And that's so valid. It's just kind of like, I know that people really want that. And sometimes they imply it too subtextually to be like, "Mm, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Can we move on to the next scene? Yeah. When the cogs take their hoods off, Bellamy tries to explain what's up to them, but they are not listening. Josie isn't making things easy for herself. She's insulting the cogs, calling what they stand for a joke. Bell finally gets to them, but he makes a crucial mistake, and they know he's not from Sanctum. They try to radio Gabriel about it, which tells Josie that he's alive. She's been in love with him this whole time. Clark lets them know she can hear, and Bellamy tells her he won't let her die. This was such a big scene. Mm-hmm. Like, how did- Oh, I know, I was writing these things, and I was like, this is a paragraph, actually. Like, how did all of that happen in that scene? 
oh my gosh the scene with pike oh like, my god you, it feels like it feels like pike was there for like multiple scenes but it's just one really he long was, one uh, and i bet you it was maybe seven minutes tops if that tops yeah fully mm-hmm. josie's bad at getting people to want to help her josie makes me laugh i know some people are getting sick of josie but i'm like i love how just she confidently does all the wrong things mm-hmm. that's that's the kind of energy that i exhibit in this world i was about to say that's you energy for sure. right I will confidently say and do the wrong things. So this blonde girl who is in the cogs, she's blonde, she has short hair, and it's kind of, like, wavy. So I'm like, was she made specifically to kind of look like Clark? Yeah, I was like, we we never see, like, other blonde characters, and all of a sudden there's this woman, yeah. and I'm like, hello? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, whatever. Uh, so there were 13 primes, not 12. Bellamy, clearly you didn't go through the schooling yeah. that everyone else went through, so you're not part of this and when they're on the radio they say jericho to providence so that's clearly like he's jericho and over by the anomaly where gabriel lives yeah. is, i guess what's called providence so jericho is a palestinian city and it's one of the oldest inhabited cities in the world it has a whole wikipedia page with so 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 much on it so go and check it out if you're more interested in that um but in theology divine providence or just providence is god's intervention in the universe the term divine providence uh, is also used as a title of God. A distinction is usually made between general providence, which refers to God's continuous upholding of the existence and natural order of the universe, and special providence, which refers to God's extraordinary intervention in the life of people. So I think since it is a title of God, providence is the codename mm-hmm. of yeah. Gabriel, who they see as a God, which is weird because Gabriel like specifically said that he doesn't want to be seen as a God. So that's interesting. Okay, so interesting. So Josie does know about the anomaly. We thought yeah, that maybe she didn't. Yeah, they just have had access to time travel the whole time and no one's explored that? Yeah, it seemed like something Josie would be interested in. Yeah. Slash could use to her advantage. And I think, like, we had a reason for thinking that um, she would not, not know what the anomaly was because she had been like, Gabriel's too old. There's no way he could not be old. Exactly. So we were like, okay. But I guess, I mean... She could not know about the time travel stuff and only know about the radios working. I don't know. It's really unclear right now. Yeah, we definitely got more questions than answers in terms of, like, the sci-fi logic of what's going on here. Yeah. Um. So she's like, oh my gosh, he must be alive. But, because they're talking to him. But did we not learn specifically at the beginning of the season that the children of Gabriel don't know if Gabriel's alive or not? They're just kind of hoping, right? Yeah, they literally said that they, like... They don't even know where he is. Yeah. But apparently they know exactly where he is. I don't know. That that actually really confused me because, like, the whole point of, like, that front end with Xavier and all of the cogs was, oh, we don't know where Gabriel is. We're not sure what happened to him. Like, where's the old man? You really think this will bring the old man back? And I'm like, what? That's why it was, like, kind of sketchy that Xavier was able to just, like, full on be like, yeah, I can take you to Gabriel. Yeah. Yeah. Plot hole. Yeah. yeah. They she's been in love with him for 236 years. He's been trying to kill her for 70. So was he trying to kill her just when she was in Josie the 7th? I think 6th and 7th. 6th and 7th. Okay, great. I lo- I love that by the way. That line was so good. Oh yeah, that was cool. And now their minds are breaking down. I'm shocked. Yikes. I never okay. saw that coming. Yeah. 
Josie tells Bellamy that her father was dumb for letting them stay. He ruined their world to save her. She knows all about Bellamy and Clark now. Bellamy tells her his plan to take the mine drive out and to use it for a peace deal with Sanctum. Josie knows that Clark won't agree to peace with them. Bellamy still believes. The cogs come back. Sanctum is coming after them. They realize that Josie is a prime and Josie has no choice but to give Clark back control. She doesn't have time to save Bell, so she leaves him the keys and runs. So this was a really cool moment. Yeah, oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, like, you can totally tell, like, I mean, shout out to Eliza, like, she can just flip that switch. Uh Uh-huh. And she's completely different, which is the mark of a very good actor, and I'm happy for her. Yeah, this was just, it was really cool, and what a fun acting challenge for her as well. Totally. And, like, it was, God, it was nice to see Clark back, because even when they were doing sort of the Morris Code thing, Morris, who's Morris? Yep, yep. Who's Morris? Rigam Morris. Rigam Morris. Rigam Morris, girl. It was Rigam Morris, girl. Morris. Who's Morris? <laughs> Who's Morris? I'm not okay. <laughs> Even when we're doing that, <laughs> Clark said boo-hoo. And I was like, I love angry Clark so much. That's my favorite line of words. Boo-hoo? Yeah. I get it. That's harsh. So does Josie wish that Russell hadn't put her inside of Clark? Um... Because she was like, he ruined everything just to save me. Like, I know I'm pretty awesome. And it's like, she's made it clear that she likes being inside Clark and she likes being alive and everything, but it sure has come with some troubles. I don't think she regrets it, but I do think she's like, wow, that was a stupid move. Like, I'm glad to be alive and I love this body, but dude, not your best uh, Mm -hmm. play. Yeah. So then she mentions that they have a weird relationship. They've gone basically from enemies to best friends to family. And just a lot of things have happened. She knows about the lever pull in season two. Like, yo, that was so funny. I love when that happens. When she, when she mimed it. That was good. I like when that happens. It's like uh, at the end of season five when Maddie like knew stuff that Lexa knew. Yep. And it's like, ah, cool. Be like, ooh, neat. Great. She was saying that Clark has this new like do better attitude. And I think that's because she has seen Monty. Yep. And that was like Monty's specific words. I mean, the whole of this season has been do better, be better, have hope, mm-hmm. which is absolutely why the end of the episode murdering the two people uh, who embodied that. Right. Cool. Anyway. Didn't they only murder? Did they murder? Abby's alive, but her hope isn't. Oh. I thought we were talking about Jade. We sure weren't. <laughs> Unless Jade just magically isn't dead again. I don't think Jade's dead. Ah, Yeah. I guess not. I mean, like, we didn't see her dead body. We just see her go down. Right. So Josie gives Clark control because she isn't as good of a fighter and she knows it. So when did you figure out that she had control? Probably, like, the moment when she, like, started fighting back. Yeah? Yeah. Like, the minute she started fighting, I was like, oh, that's Clark. Josie has lots of time to learn things and learn how to fight, but Clark already knows and she has a lot of experience in, in the field. Yep. How does Clark know that Gabriel loves Josie? He, she just knows that Josie loves Gabriel, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess she was just saying that. I guess it's also, like, kind of implied, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Clark runs. The Sanctum people find her, and she promptly kills Jade. Maybe? Maybe? Josie is still here in vision form. She wants control back. Clark obviously won't give it up and sends a radio message to Gabriel. She's on her way. She is, oh, I love angry Clark. I love determined Clark. Like, she's such a badass. I thought for a moment that she was going to have to pretend to be Josie to the Sanctum people, which I thought was going to be really, really funny, because then it would be like, uh, Josie was pretending to be Clark, and then Clark had to pretend to be Josie, and then, like, at some point, Clark would have had to pretend to be Josie who was pretending yep. to be Clark. You're like, oh, okay, <laughs> and I that's, that's too funny. confusing for even me to keep up with. So, no. but that didn't happen. 
Either way, Josie says that she'll still, she'll get control back when Clark falls asleep. And I'm like, don't, I thought you said that you don't have that much Yeah, like, what, you have, like, another 12 hours for her to go to sleep? And also bold of you to assume that Mm -hmm. Clark sleeps. Yeah. But she does know how to drive a motorcycle and speak Mandarin now. That is so cool. So good for her. I don't know why, but I kind of just assumed Clark knew how to drive a motorcycle. Yeah, I mean, she knew how to drive the Rover, right? Exactly. Or was it Bellamy? No, she drove it. Before. No, she yeah, drove she it. Yeah, she drove it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like, that was her thing for like in 501, especially. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, so, I, I don't, don't know, know why how I much of that. that. I don't know how much of driving a car applies to driving a motorcycle. I feel like but, none. So, yeah. I mean, how much? Yeah. I don't know why I thought that. I don't know. But if you also thought that, let me know. Yeah. That's all I have for that storyline. Okay. So let's talk about Octavriel. Okay. Or uh, or Octabriel. What do you prefer? I prefer Octabriel. I think it has like um real. Okay, got it. More of a flow to it. Sure. All right, here we go. First of all, we booted this uh, storyline. Yeah, it sucks. Majorly. It's not very good. Uh and uh oh, do you want to just talk about that generally first? Yeah, sure. I just want to say for the record when I say yeah, it sucks. It that has nothing to do with the writing. It just has to do with like how this was laid out and like the the dialogue itself was beautiful. It's just so much of it was heavy-handed. So, you know, Mm-hmm. This is, I believe, one of the first scripted uh, credits for uh, the writer of this episode. And I think she did a really great job. I just think when you're given an episode like this, which is basically all referential. So, like, the mm-hmm. whole episode is just people standing around talking about the past. It It's hard to sure balance. Was. Sure was. But, yeah, I, d- yeah. Yeah, like, even in the, the Bellamy and Clark storyline, a lot of it was just sitting around there wasn't a whole lot that happened all they did was stand and talk about the past yeah that must have been why this this episode felt so stagnant to me you're right thanks for pointing that out i like literally only half of the bellamy and clark storyline is when any actual action happens and other than that it is just standing around and talking it's just a and it's not even like maybe with bellamy and clark it, it it's not dealing with anything it's literally just standing there doing exposition yeah with octavia there's a little bit of movement and i know the cabbie storyline their whole final scene was literally just hey let's just repeat all our most iconic lines back to each other and then i'm gonna kill myself in front of you right so like it's very much like just repetition 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 Mm -hmm. so with this one i did like that there were like flashbacks like literally we get to see pike yeah, that was nice. I, yeah. That was probably my favorite part of the episode was getting to see Mike Beach again. Mike Beach. Can we just like, holy crap, Mike Beach is such a good actor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like when he, because he starts out, he starts out smaller, right? Like he builds somewhere. He doesn't go, start out with Pike going at 100. He builds to oh, that. Yes. And so by the time he is yelling at Octavia, I was sitting there like, holy crap, this man is a beast. That's really important is that you, as an actor, you have to, you can't start at 100 because you need somewhere to be able to mm-hmm. go and you can't go to 110. Like it stops at 100. Yeah. You know? And I really feel like Mike Beach really brought that. Yeah. Especially sure. in that, you know, he basically had one long monologue where he mm-hmm. was kind of prompting Octavia. And so he also sort of ramped Octavia up. But I think he had a lot of really finite control of where he wanted the emotion to go. And it just, it had so much power. Yeah. So I he was wonderful. Yeah, I I thought that the storyline was kind of weird. Just oh, it because is. We ha- it, it just kind of felt like a budget version of Nevermind. It did! Oh my god, exactly. Like, it was literally basically the exact same thing, 
Except with less stuff. Yeah. And it didn't have the emotional punch. Because this is stuff we should have had two seasons ago. Okay, let's get into the storyline. Yeah. Octavia wakes up in Gabriel's house. Her hand is all better. Gabriel wants to know what happened inside the anomaly, but Octavia doesn't remember. He gives her a syringe of red sun toxin so she can remember, which, yeah, that's good science. Yeah. She sees two boxes. One is green and it's calling her name softly. The other is red and it's shaking and screaming. So obviously Octavia (laughs) chooses the red one? Octavia opens the red box and finds herself back in the fighting pit. She traveled there using a flock of red butterflies. She's chained up and scared, being reminded of her past mistakes. Okay, so what do you think was in the green box? That's the big question. I was like, Octavia, get back in there, friend. Yeah. You have something else to to see. I do have to say, when we first saw this scene, my first thought was that it was going to be Aurora. <gasps> that would have been amazing. So it felt like it was kind of like the green box was like the good memories of her life, which mostly happened during her childhood. Yeah. And then um, the red box was her bad memories. And like, I don't understand choosing the red box. I don't get it. That is such a cool thought. I think I definitely thought it was Aurora. I don't remember much about what Aurora's voice sounded like, but it did sound kind of motherly, in my opinion, when I first watched it. And we didn't get any more evidence as to what it could be, um, but also no evidence um, saying that it couldn't be Aurora. So that's what I'm going to stick with. Sticks tin hat on. It was Aurora. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for Gabriel because he's been waiting literal years for answers and now she, sh- she just doesn't remember. I'm like, Gabriel, if you really want the answers, go in there yourself, you big baby. Right. So, so to this day, by to this day, I mean since yesterday and also now, we don't know what she was running from. No, we sure don't. If we don't find out, I'm going to be really mad. I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm, I'm torn between maybe we won't find that out, but we will find out like via maybe Dioza. Right. If she comes back out. Yeah. Yeah. Or we're just never going to find out. There are two things now on my list of things that I really want to learn from the rest of the season. And if we don't, I'm going to be sad. But also, I feel like they will have done on purpose. Mm -hmm. And the first one is that, which is what was she running from slash what actually is inside the anomaly. Which makes me think like either they are like specifically not telling us just to annoy us. Or they are definitely, it's definitely going to be like a big reveal. It has to be a big reveal. the second thing is the name of the final prime. (laughs) That one I don't think you're going to find out. There are 13 primes and we only know 12 names. I don't think it looks good for you, bud. I know. And I feel like they're doing that on purpose just to annoy me specifically. You're right. You know what? They thought, you know what? Let's look forward in time and find out what would irritate Robin. And let's do that. They're like, I know. Like, my ego is so big that I'm like, this is about me. Yeah, of course. Even though they would have had no idea that this was going to happen to you. Uh, well, if they knew me as a person, they would know. Oh, well, I'm sorry that they don't know you as a person. Yeah. Yeah, right? How do you collect red sun toxin? It looked like he had a lot Kate, of it. can, like... Gabriel, I guess, you know, he has had a long time on his hands. He figured out how to purify and cook drugs. Hello? Mm-hmm. Why? And he doesn't even sell them. Oh, my God. He's like, are you looking for really crazy high? Because... This is going to get weird. This is nuts. Yeah. yeah. That's what he says at the end. Maybe. I mean, Things are about I don't think there's any science to how the drug works, but you'd think if he mm-hmm. figured out how to synthesize it as a drug, they would figure out how to counteract it. Like, did that not occur to anyone? Right. I don't know. 
Um, he says that the animals on this moon never evolved past reptile, and I was like, hello, Picasso the dog. Yeah, duh. So it's clear that they brought the dogs here, like, they brought dogs, but that's what I find weird is that I have never seen another dog. Like, is Picasso the only dog left? And the, and the dogs are, like, basically extinct after this? Like, where are the other dogs? Are people seeing more dogs and I just haven't seen any? Please let me know if anybody sees any other dogs. I haven't even seen Picasso since that one episode, right? I feel like we're never going to see, like, Picasso again. I'm upset. It was just like, they're like, hey, what would the audience like? Clark petting a dog? Okay. Okay, now take it away. Yeah. <laughs> Too pure for this world. Get it out of here. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... They took the drug to find out if there was still a host inside their heads, I guess. Which makes sense. Yeah, and then they were like, okay, so there isn't. Anyway, now I guess we'll figure out what our true purpose is. Yeah. Who gives you your true purpose? Just yourself? Like, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, like, do they believe in a higher being or are do they really just believe they're the higher beings? I mean, that's what it seems like Russell believes. Yeah. So I guess their purpose is to be gods. What do you think the significance of red light, green light is? I wish I had an answer to that other than, oh, that's a fun reference to something that we know. That's what I thought was weird. It was like, it felt like the way that she said it felt like she was being like, this is something we should know already. Like, this is a throwback to something that we got in season one, but it isn't. It's just a game. So I'm confused, but I noticed that when she actually gets into her, into the red box, um, when Pike comes out of the door, um, there is a red light and a green light there as well. So it's like, so it's something, we just don't know what it is. I think it's the kid's game though. You think so? When did she get to play that? I mean, they must have had games like that on the arc. I mean, it takes no equipment to play. Yeah, but she didn't play any. Maybe it was, oh yeah, how would she and Bellamy even play that? Yeah, they don't have room. It's just, con- it's confusing. But if anybody knows what this red light, green light business is, please let us know. I, because I I'm truly lost. just think it's the red light, green light game. But Sheeta can't play it. Well, that's what I think. Okay. I'm like, why is everything about Christmas for no reason? <laughs> uh, and then red butterflies instead of blue, because red. Yep. Anger, war, etc. Pain. Uh, Gabriel is monitoring Octavia's mind, and inside she sees Pike, who tries to talk her out of being uh, herself. What does she want? She chooses the red box, so there must be something. He asks how it feels to know that everyone hates her. She also hates herself. She wants forgiveness. She wants redemption. She needs to earn it. Bloodraina enters, trying to shut Puck <laughs> shut Puck up. Bloodraina enters, trying to shut Pike up. This reminds O too much of Lincoln, so she saves Pike and defeats her previous self. She wakes up. This scene is hard to summarize. It was hard to summarize. Uh. Because it's basically just a monologue. And like we said, Mike Beach did a great job, but... It's such a cop-out. Like, yeah, like like the scene, some of the scenes in Nevermind, um, it was kind of just stuff that we already knew. But instead of, like, they weren't trying to solve all of Clark's problems by doing Nevermind. They were trying to dig inside Clark's mind, you know, kind of get an idea of what her mo- motivations were, and then using those to make herself better. But with this one, it was missing that extra layer of complexity. So it basically just felt like, hey, we know that we're, you know, a season or two overdue for this Octavia introspection. And I'm like, I don't buy it now. Yeah. I just don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, what did I say last episode? I don't remember because we were on hiatus, but it was something, I said something like, um, if she goes in there and she goes all the way back to season one Octavia and she sees the error of her ways, maybe she can come out on the other side and I can forgive her, but this wasn't enough. And it was just like, I... I can't look past the fact that Octavia has not brought Lincoln up in years. Like, the show straight up 
forgot about Lincoln. You know, it, it never mm-hmm. let Lex's memory die, which I'm so grateful for. But it let Lincoln's memory die because so much of what Octavia did would and have made sense due to Lincoln's murder. What is this, the third or fourth time that we are seeing the footage from Lincoln's death? Yeah. Like, every single time we say it, we're like, that was unnecessary. We don't want to see it again. It makes everyone upset when they see it. And they just keep doing it. Like, I was watching with my mom last night. And I was like, are they going to do it again? They sure did. And they just kept showing more and more snippets of it. And I was like, okay, stop there. Okay, stop there. Okay, stop there. Stop. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. 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 This is my this is my impression of Tom Haverford. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. No. 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 There it is. Thank it's you. really good. <laughs> Thank you. It's upsettingly um, good. I was just like, they should have they should have done this in season five. Yeah. Like they should have brought Lincoln up. They should have been doing this. Like everything that Octavia did would have had this extra layer of tragedy if it was like what would Lincoln be doing if he were here? But they didn't do that. Not this. Well, yeah. And if this was supposed to get me to forgive Octavia, hearing Pike list off all of the things she did in season five doesn't help. No. And even when he says, do you think that murdering in cold blood is justifiable if you hate the person? And she says, yes. Octavia, no. I just- (laughs) Pike literally went- and like listed all of her sins and then Octavia was like I want redemption and I was like are you kidding me <laughs> Brittany please ask me if murdering is justifiable if I hate someone Robin is murder justifiable if you hate the person no because I am often <laughs> wrong exactly Pike was not justified in murdering Lincoln and Octavia was not justified in murdering Pike but that's a morality that you and I live by in this world Octavia lives in her own little world why did she choose the red box over the green box she loves punishment you know she loves punishment that's weird (laughs) I just can't imagine like obviously I'd be like that one looks scary I'm gonna go with this other one she just she I mean think about when she was asking everyone to beat her up earlier this season that's true she loves to be like i think octavia wants to be punished for everything that she's done yeah so pike was her teacher and so i thought that um the uh, not author but is it just writer screenwriter Mm -hmm. of this episode really captured um pike's teacher like quality yes um, I thought that was really great. That was probably one of my favorite parts of the episode was how Pike it really did feel. It felt like Pike for sure. I think it was um, Nikki Goldwazer wrote this episode. And I, you're right. She did have a very good grasp of Pike's voice. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just she had a really good grasp also of like how Pike lectures, you know, because yeah. Pike, as much as he was action, was also a lot of talk. Mm-hmm. So she did a really good job of that. Um, so they talk about how everybody hates her, but she also hates herself. And you know what that is? Mm. That's the same Clark twice. It sure is. Literally the same storyline from the beginning of this season with Clark. Why did they do this? Just again. It's the same season. And they're basically just doing the exact same thing, like, even with, like, the whole Nevermind thing. But what's going on here? Why did they do this? I don't get it, Brittany. I literally don't get it. (laughs) I thought... This was not a very good decision. When I when I thought they were going to do this, I knew that it was going to be heavy-handed because in the trailer it was Octavia versus Blood Rain, and I'm like, oh, she wants to yeah. slay her demon. But mm-hmm. I didn't expect it to be this heavy-handed. Yeah. Where Pike is literally saying, everyone hates you, and I'm like, so you just said it, huh? Like, there was no yeah. subtlety, no complexity, just straight-up 
statement making. Yeah. I was like, but couldn't couldn't you have explored anything else? You know, it was just mm-hmm. Pike saying, here's all the things that suck about you. What do you want to do about it? And she was like, I yeah. would like to be redeemed. And I was like, oh my God. She was like, redemption. And I was like, disgrace. I know. I was like, oh boy. I just, oh. Very Lion King. Yeah. Very Lion King. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he says that forgiveness is for minor offenses. Can you imagine forgiveness? Can mm. you imagine? I, <laughs> I'm not stable. Um, here's that here's here's the absolute tea are you ready for the tea yes octavia is that kid who is told the same thing by her parents over and over and over again and then she will then turn up and say what they've been saying the whole time but she will say it like she's the one who's come up with the idea yeah that is her to a t because kane has been Mm -hmm. saying everything that pike said here and said it way earlier. And Octavia was like, no. Yeah. But now all of a sudden, it's come from her own subconscious where it's Pike and Blood Raina saying things, these things. And she's like, I need redemption. And I'm like, Marcus Kane would still be alive if you had come to this realization sooner. Like, this. Yeah. even Abby was like, I regret what I did and you don't. Obviously, it's due to not being able to get Ricky. But why do you think, like, narrative-wise, Octavia's mind was like, we're bringing in Pike and not Lincoln and not anybody else? You know, it's Pike. Why do you think Pike was the I think because what they were trying to say was that Lincoln's death was, like, the center point of Octavia's slow slide into a breakdown. But because they didn't explore that aspect and they chose to explore, like, what forgiveness and redemption mean, I don't know, it, it... felt kind of weird it kind of feels like the back half of the season even starting with mm-hmm. Nevermind, is just banking on us having emotional attachments to the previous seasons and what yeah. has happened like if like all of these things are happening and they're writing it and they're being like yeah the audience is gonna like have feelings because um mm-hmm. because everyone was sad when lincoln died Or, like, everyone's going to have feelings because um, Clark is thinking about Lexa. You know? And it's like, bring me more, bring me new things that I can have feelings about. Where was that in season four? Yeah. Where was that in season five? Why all of a sudden Mm -hmm. in this back half of this season that started out so strongly, have you, like, slammed the brakes and said, we need to explore every aspect of these characters, but in ways that, like, don't forward them in any way? Because right. this season was really good, and now it feels like they're stalling mm-hmm. for time until they get the t- to the finale. Does it feel like that to you? Yeah, I agree. Yes, it does. Yeah, for sure. Like, I feel like a lot of this is filler. Like, you know, they stretched out the Kane storyline all the way to here. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I wish y'all had killed him in 601. I probably would have been more stable. Right. But, like, all of this just feels like they're just killing time and killing time and killing time. Like, Josie, Clark's body has been failing with Josie in it for three episodes now. I know, and she's like, I only have a few hours left. And I'm like, do you? Because Same. you keep saying that. Free me. <laughs> I liked the point that Pike made where he was saying that he was trying to earn his redemption when she killed him. Yeah. And you think like, oh, good point, Pike. But really, like, it's Octavia's mind. And so is this, like, our way of learning that Octavia regrets killing Pike? Yes. Yeah. I, I really liked that aspect. I did like the exploration of Octavia is more self-aware than we gave her credit for. Right. Which, you know, that's 
I mean, for me personally, that was a failure on my part. I right. I wasn't sure if she was aware of what she was doing, but she was. So mm-hmm. that's kind of neat. I like that part a lot. He also says that it doesn't matter if she deserves to be redeemed. She just has to go out and do it. Yes. Okay. Okay, fine. I mean, I like that line. Yeah. I guess it's just like, I mean, if you look at... I have a hard time being like, if you don't deserve to be redeemed, then maybe you shouldn't be. You know, like, um, obviously, like, even Dio... We, we weren't there for what Dioza did. Mm-hmm. But she is known as a terrorist. Mm. And if I look at the people who are um, described as terrorists modern day in my actual life, and some of the people who aren't described as terrorists but should be, I don't know. Like, White male shooters. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if if they did something good, if I could be like, yeah, you're, you didn't deserve it, but you're redeemed. You know what I mean? I think the whole point, though, is it's not for us to decide. Right. It's for... Oh, it's for her. It's, it's a per- for her. Yeah. So if she's yeah. like, okay, sure. I feel like I've done what I was supposed to do, mm-hmm. then that may resonate with the people around her. Sure. Okay, sure. Um, so she starts saying that I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid, which of course is resonant because Bellamy, because Charlotte, because Rose. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wrote Lincoln footage again, which we've already mentioned. Um, she saves Pike and defeats Blood Raina. Just the heavy handedness of having her fight Blood Raina. It's like not even symbolism anymore. You know, it's just... I think... The th- right there. the thing that upsets me about this is that literally, I think until the scene that we're going to get to in a minute, I was like, okay, I can see where y'all are going to get to. Mm-hmm. But then they changed Octavia's whole personality. And she was like, yeah. well, I'm going to go get redemption. I am a determined. Like, you're still high, Octavia. Yeah, I was like, she was like, I'm a hero and I'm going to go be a hero. And I'm like, who are you? My people are in trouble. I'm like, uh, you're like, what? are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You know who I loved? Season two, Octavia. Oh, she was metal. She was so good. She looked great, too. She was so metal. She got a tattoo that we never got an explanation for, and I will never be over that. I loved season two, Octavia. Like, there was just so much potential, and then her personality changed every season. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But, I like, who's this Octavia now? Like, who's this one? Yeah, I don't know her. I mean, I'm looking forward to getting to know her, I guess. I mean, I don't know how much more of the show I'm going to end up watching, but okay, I guess we just have a new Octavia again. I guess. Um, yeah. Last scene? Yeah. Yeah? Gabriel is looking at his picture of Josie. Oh, now knows what she needs to do. She still doesn't know what was inside the anomaly, which is annoying. She has to go, and he's going to let her. They hear Clark's message, things are about to get weird. So this scene was useless, just for the record. Basically, I was like, okay, it's interesting that he lets her go, even though he wanted answers from her. And okay, so everyone's in trouble, but they are going to stay here, question mark? And that's it. That's all I got from the scene. That's it. That was, it was a useless scene. Basically. Like, they could have, they could have cut it off the, off on the last scene of just her opening her eyes and everything would be the same. Yep. So, and okay. I probably wouldn't be it wouldn't be as jarring that she's has a new personality. Yeah. But like this scene was like I'm going to get on a motorcycle and Gabriel's like no and he's like yeah and then he's like you don't need to be on the motorcycle. Okay, the scene's over. And I'm like what? Yeah. Okay. Sure. All right. Do you have anything else about that storyline? No. Okay, so um we are now going to be transitioning into the cabbie storyline. Brittany is going to be leaving us. Do you have any last thoughts? Just that at some point I will be giving my thoughts on the the Kane storyline and the Cabby storyline and the Abby storyline. I will say that after this season, I don't know if I'll keep watching the show, um, which of course I know sounds so dramatic and everyone's like, okay, whatever. And I'm like, you know what? But I started watching this show because of Paige Turco and I obviously fell in love with Abby and I think her treatment this season has been... I understand why people hate her. She is not redeemable for a lot of people. And a lot of her plotline this season was actually kind of erased by what Kane did. So at some point I will give my thoughts when I 
am more coherent and can be more eloquent. But for now, uh, I back up whatever Sam says. Yeah, we're th- it's almost certainly going to be Sam with us in the next few um, seconds for mm-hmm. you. Um, but uh, Brittany, we will see you back for the segment. Okay, love you. Bye for now. Okay, so welcome back. It is two days later. Um, luckily, Brittany has decided to join us. Plot twist. Wow, she came back. We love that for her. That you thought you'd see the last of me. And we also have a super fabulous, wonderful guest. Her name is Sam, and you know her. She's the best. Woo! Hello. Okay. Sam, I know we're like literally halfway through the podcast now, but please introduce yourself in case some um, this is like the first episode that somebody listens to. Uh, in which case, sorry, it's ooh, gonna yeah, be sad. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, if this is your first time anyway. here, I am I am so sorry. Please go I'm listen sorry. to 502, where I yes. guest starred with much happier thoughts. Um, <laughs> yeah. Go listen to Gospel of Josephine or something first, just for some joy and some happiness. All our other podcasts for the season have been fire. Any other any other pod. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 26-year-old marketing coordinator in sunny pre-apocalyptic Washington, D.C. I am the senior, a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OGPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at SamKCC, where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. I uh, haven't listened to the first half of this pod, so I don't know what the fun fact is. Oh, heck. What the was fun it? fact was, um, if you had like the two boxes that... Octavia has in her thing, what would the colors be? Oh, yeah. oh what would the from? colors be? Yeah. Instead yeah. of like red and green. Um I know what's about to happen. What's what's about to happen? <laughs> she thinks that you're gonna make do the same answers as us. Um I'm gonna say pink and yellow, and I would pick pink. What the heck? Wow. What the heck? <laughs> Respect. Okay, Respect. first of all, I, I, I wanted to go with black and then I picked pink and purple because black light is that's not a thing right and then i picked um purple and blue so the fact if i if you take mine purple and blue Brittany takes one of my colors and also adds pink and you take one of Brittany color and adds i also thought about doing pink and blue but then i was like that's too predictable i was like Mm, that fair that's like okay sam be more obvious you weird bisexual (laughs) i told you i told you (laughs) i made that same joke (laughs) So we will be talking about the cabbie storyline here. I have a few notes about um, each scene, but I'm mostly going to give it to you guys. And then at the end, I'll probably be like, here's some of my thoughts. But they're mostly like thoughts about like the science behind it. Yeah, sure. Sure. I would, I'm down to talk about that. And you guys have, like, the feeling, yeah. you know? So I'll give it mostly to you guys because I feel like your, um, uh, your thoughts are more important right. than mine. They're not. All, okay. all thoughts are important. Okay. Yeah. So this is the first scene in uh, that storyline. Now woken up inside his new body, Marcus feels great physically, but not so great mentally. All of his scars are missing. He sees that Gavin had a scar and asks about him. Abby doesn't want to tell him. She tries to convince him that he's still the same guy, but he feels bad and sad. They kiss and it's weird. And I'm not the only one who thinks so. (laughs) Kane thinks it's mad weird, but Abby keeps trying to tell him everything's okay. I I didn't. Okay. Grayston, first of all, Friggin' fantastic. Oh my god, absolutely amazing. Like, everything he does from his voice to the way he moves to the way he, like, touches her is, that's, it made this process almost seamless, which is like, how? How did you do that? (laughs) But, like, them kissing, I was like, oh no, this is not for me. (laughs) Like, you guys had just been, like, 
screaming about how you hadn't had one, had a cabbie kiss in like over a season. And I was like, this is the cabbie kiss that they're getting? This is so sad. I was like glad to have it because I was like, they should have kissed when he first woke up. Like, I don't understand. Hello, someone explain. But they finally kissed. And it's like, this... This conversation is like everything we've been wanting for since like 507, but yep. but like slightly wrong. <laughs> and it's like Yeah, with the wrong face. Yeah, and it's like this is everything we wanted. Thank you so much, but also why did you do this to me? Why why like why? Like for the record, Kane and Abby had not kissed since season 4. Yeah. 402. I mean, like canonically, I'm sure they kissed when we weren't watching, but But we haven't seen it. But we haven't seen it, and that's bad. Like they didn't kiss all of season five, and I was like, "What?" It made no sense. Like there, that was weird. Like I was able to justify it because like the content that they did get for most of the season was like really good and like always rooted in their relationship, but it felt weird. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" And then like their first kiss is like him in a new body, and I'm like, "Hello." Yeah. Like, okay, but, like, that feels wrong. It's like it's like when someone, like, makes your favorite meal and then puts something you're- Oh, al- but it's vegan! No, no, but puts something that you're allergic to on it and then <laughs> expects you to eat it anyway. And, and then you're like, thank, thank you, but with a lot of question marks at the end. yeah that's how it felt (laughs) mine's like if i wanted a burger and they gave me like a beyond meat burger and i was like okay like that's fine you know like this is has the idea of meat but it's not meat and that's not what i wanted right and like uh yeah the stuff from abby in that scene like broke my heart because like she's right she's right it's all still there like and she's i think she's trying to convince herself as much as she's trying to convince him and like she's just so good and uh as you can tell by my my name in the the document for this podcast i am an abby apologist and i will remain that way oh okay yeah why does she taste different is that supposed to imply that she has changed or is it i just think because it's because she's got a new taster oh what if you never called the tongue a taster again <laughs> yeah yeah that that was weird and i think it's just because that, yeah. of the new body because like Every person has different taste buds. Yeah. But also... Right, it's just like they say, like, um, nobody Mm -hmm. sees, like, the same colors, you know? Which is weird. Yeah. But it's just, like... I was just, like, I was, like, okay, like, I actually kind of like the attention to detail there. But I was, like, "Mm, mmm, I feel weird. (laughs) This whole plot line, I was just, I feel weird. Yeah. But I feel like with that moment in particular, if they had, like, tried this a little bit longer, stuff like that could have been, like, part of the process of him struggling with this, like, change. And because so many Cabbie fans have, like, analyzed this moment, like, this arc and, like, what what they chose to do with it and how it could have been done better. And that's a big part of the issue with it is because, like, it feels like they used Gavin slash Grayston for barely anything. Like, if, if this was all it was going to be, then why did you do this in the first place? Like... If it if, had been, like, an, if they killed Kane in the finale, I would have been like, this makes more sense. Yeah, if they'd killed him in the finale and after he'd, like, struggled with making the body work and then not been able to accept it anyway. After he had, like, fought from the inside to, like, take down this system with Abby and, like, that's how he brought her back to her humanity. And then he, like, sacrificed yep. himself somehow that way, like, saving her life or saving someone else's life or any of that. 
And like, you still could have gotten the same devastating conversation that they have at the end of this episode. Exactly. Like, and having him like die in her arms or something, then it would all, it would still be the same awful, impactful, beautiful conversation that like hurts, but is, but then it would have had more impact in a good way and not in a way that makes me feel physically sick every time I think about it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's actually such a good point. Like I didn't think about it like that. I don't know. Okay. Robin, as someone who's like not as involved, what would you think if they'd had Grayson as Kane for a while? I kind of expected them to try for longer. Yeah. 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 Um, at least, like, give him at least an episode or two. I was waiting for, you know, them to, I, I honestly expected them to go down and have him meet people slash even like Clark and then Clark being like this is what it was like to be inside somebody else's head even though like Gavin wasn't there like if Clark had been like this is what it was like to be inside of Josephine's head when she was taking over my body and it sucked then maybe Kane would have been like yikes and then he would have done something about it I yeah exactly you know I just expected them to try and keep him for a little bit longer I mean Grace didn't put in so much effort that I'm like that's such a good point yeah you could have kept him for a little bit longer I don't know it's it's yeah. I fully thought they'd keep him at least until, like, episode 11. Yeah. Like, give him, maybe not all the way to the finale, but definitely, like, not freaking episode 9, like, oh, in yeah. the middle of the, like, they, they Lincoln. Yeah. Like, it was just the middle of the season, you're like, okay, we're not even at the finale yet, and the mm. big death has already happened. Now what? I mean, one big death. We could, you know this show. They, they don't pull any punches. Yep. But it's just, like, what, it feels like a lot of wasted potential. Yeah. I would have liked to see Kane's mental space a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if this had happened after a lot of, like, examining that and exploring that, it would have mm-hmm. possibly also made more sense. Yeah. But, like, the turnaround... I know we're... I'm jumping ahead, but, like, the turnaround sure. from the scene... The first scene he shares with Indra and Raven to the yep. final scene is so abrupt that I don't think it works. Can I move on to the next scene? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Abby wakes up alone. She goes to find Kane in the mess hall. Raven is really upset and asks Kane if he supports this. Simone walks in with the serum and her guards. Kane notices that one of the guards looks at him differently and he finds out that she was Gavin's wife. He's appalled that they are all being lied to as if Gavin was still inside him. Uh, Kane and Raven storm off. Simone tells Abby that Kane will get used to his new body. Kane and Raven wake up Indra. Indra is confused. <laughs> <laughs> Tag yourself, I'm Indra. One of the things that I just want to point out before we um, talk about this scene is that I think that this, if we had seen it, could have shown a really big window into um, what Kane was thinking because one of the things that Josephine said was that um, for the first few nights you can't sleep when you're in a new host and so he was sitting there all night just thinking about everything you know like he wasn't sleeping he was sitting there thinking about it so I think that if we had seen something to show that that might have helped us a little bit. Yeah like if we had seen him sleeping he had seen him like laying there next to her and then decide right. to get up and leave and go to the mess hall. Which would have taken minimal effort yeah. to add. Yep. Like, that would have... And would not take very long yeah. at all. Like, I know that's what's implied anyway, but, like, don't imply it. Show show me. I shouldn't have to reach for that. Yeah. Yeah. That was my whole issue with, like, a lot of... Actually, this is my issue with the whole show, and I've talked about this before, is they often explain the show outside of the show. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have to get clues from like the script to screens or from Twitter. And I'm like, I I need you to put stuff that is off screen on screen. 
Yeah. And even here, like, this was information that we got, like, two or three episodes ago. So, like, you have to remember that tiny detail in order to make this make more sense. Yeah. Right. And I do appreciate, like, the amount of, like, internal Easter eggs that the show often puts in and, like, the level that the people who create it go to to, like, add so many details and, like, and flesh those out outside of the show as well. Because, like, I do appreciate getting the look at all of those extra, like, bits and pieces. But, like Brittany said, we shouldn't, with simple things like this, that shouldn't be where we're getting it from. Like, with the details and Easter eggs and stuff, that's where it's fun. And that's where it, like, adds extra elements that, like, make it more interesting and cool and heartbreaking sometimes. But, like, with the... With the things like this, you shouldn't have to reach so hard. Yeah. yeah. And that was like my whole thought with Jason Rothenberg tweeting like, I know everyone's upset, but this show is a tragedy. And I'm like, is it though? Because what you show me on screen is like, especially with Kane and Abby, their whole relationship was based on the concept of hope. Yeah. They literally, the whole relationship starts on the phrase, let's call it hope. So if you're telling me the entire time that love is important and hope is important. And then you're telling me off screen that it's a tragedy and you're using that to justify why you randomly kill characters. Mm-hmm. That's not good enough. And the, it feels like the show frequently likes to reuse its own lines, which like sometimes I think is poignant and like done really well. And I like it. And then sometimes I feel like they forget half the line Yeah, that they're repeating because he has, they have him say, this is how we get our humanity back in the final scene of this episode and the first half of that line is first we survive like he's Mm. choosing not to survive and that does that doesn't help anyone get their humanity back like if anything that will erase abby's humanity more than it's already like like gone yeah like possibly this like hurts everybody more than and like he's wasting so much of that sacrifice and like oh i'm just i'm mad Mm -hmm. (sighs) okay Anyway, back to the... Anyway, so Indra's back. ...scene we were talking about um, uh, in the mess hall. Can Raven please just, like, chill for five minutes? One of my notes is literally Raven, shut up. Literally, I I rewatched it and I was like, shut up, please. Yeah, like, I I love Raven. I understand why she's so upset. Like, I understand the inhumanity of what's going on. But all Raven has done this season is yell at Abby. And I was like, holy crap. You guys literally textually began to fix your relationship earlier in the season after the horrific thing that Abby did to Raven. Cause let's not forget that Abby has traumatized mm-hmm. Raven, but yeah. they but keep like- repairing it. And then Raven keeps going at Abby. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Because when you have a sentiment like that coming from one of the most likable characters, it turns the audience on the character that she's talking to. And mm-hmm. and sometimes it turns the audience on Raven because she has... The first two episodes were good. Like, they, they hashed out yeah. stuff in a way that I thought they both needed to do. And then, since then, Raven has been playing the same note with every single character. Yeah. And I don't think that works in her favor because it, it doesn't mesh up with who Raven is to me. And it would make a lot more sense to me if Raven was still having the same feelings about this being wrong and like immoral and trying to stop Abby from doing it while also sympathizing with her completely because Raven has also been through this twice. Yeah. Like she Mm -hmm. lost Finn and it messed her up for a long time. And then she lost Zeke at the beginning of this season. And like that hurt her for like 
three episodes and then she's forgotten about it. Like she knows what it's like to lose the person that you love. And so she should understand exactly where Abby is coming from in like her desperation to get him back because she's been there. Like she should be able to understand Abby's motivation while also protesting her actions. One of the things that you have to do when you watch television is suspend your disbelief. And one of the things that you mainly have to do when you suspend your disbelief is often, you know, people, if they are real people, will hold grudges. They'll hold grudges for a very, very long time. But when you're writing a show, you need characters to move forward. And so you have to cut those grudges short. And sometimes when you're watching, you're like, I probably would have held that for longer, but I understand that this needs to move forward and this needs to keep going. And she just hasn't. She's been stagnant. And I'm just like, let's move forward, please. And there definitely is a way to balance it where she's still holding a grudge, but she knows that there's, or not even hold a grudge, but like rightfully is still just very upset with Abby. Yeah. But I think even when I'm, the way I look at it is because the show has now presented it as Raven looks at Abby as a mother. When I fight with my mom, I still love my mom. And like, even when we are knocked down, drag out, like having a fight, we will still like, there's the emotion there. Like there's, there's, there's care there. And I don't see any of that in this relationship anymore. Like I don't see two Mm -hmm. people who care about each other, except for last week when Raven was like, I'm going to do the space walk because like I couldn't save my mother, but she'll have moments like that. And then she'll slide all the way backwards to the writers need me to remind everyone that what you're doing is horrific. So I'm just going to like, verbally just beat on you for a while which we already knew that though we don't you don't need to tell us yeah we yeah, exactly we know like this show is a morally gray area we've been to- told that for five whole seasons we don't need somebody to say it outright exactly exactly and it's just like it would just make me like i love both of these women so much because the show mm-hmm. uh for the first four seasons especially like showed me how much they mean to each other and like how important they both are and how strong they both are and how like emotional they both are and it built that up in a way that I still love them even though like they've both done things that I don't agree with or something like that but I just feel like it would make the conflict between them so much more impactful if they were having Raven come at it from a place of understanding and sympathy Mm -hmm. because of like Raven's entire past and like I I just wish it mashed with like who I have perceived this character to be for so long like I wish it it lined up with that because it doesn't yeah and I just think it would garner more sympathy for both of them if Raven acted sympathetic while also being like no this is wrong I understand but it's wrong like like the way that Kane right. does in the next scene which is to explain that they know they all have blood on their hands but if we keep letting people have blood on their hands it's not the cycle's not going to change. Yep. So, like, Raven could have been like, I know exactly what you're going through, but if we keep doing this, it's it's wrong. But she doesn't say, I know exactly what you're going through. She's just like, I would never do this because I'm better than you. And that that's not yeah. Raven to me. No. Mm-mm. That's, like, somebody just yelling. So, speaking of Raven, Ian had tweeted that he had never had a scene with Raven before? Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, thanks. We're, we know. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. I can't they, believe it. Well, they were in, they were in the Mount Weather torture scene together, but that yeah. was more of an ensemble scene. Yes, and they didn't speak but, to each yeah. other. That's crazy. Yeah. What do you guys think about like the thing that really messes Kane up the most is seeing Sierra, who is Gavin's wife. That makes sense to me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 
That tracks. That was like the thing that I but think was that- the most authentic to me was him seeing like that Abby took away someone that someone else loved to save the someone she loved. Like that one made sense. Yeah. Like him being upset about that makes sense to me, but it also what he chooses to do next also still does oh, not fully. track to me with mm-hmm. that because yeah. Because he should also understand exactly why Abby did it. And they sort of allude to that because they have him say that he would have done the same thing. Mm -hmm. Which is nuts. But he already did do the same thing. Yeah. He he saved her in the bunker. And to do that, someone else had to die. And, like, it even is implied that another couple is split up earlier in that episode. And that's why he chooses to save her. Mm -hmm. Like, like literally... Sonia Hassler's husband, who had that one weird interview, <laughs> gets tossed into prime fire, and that's what makes Kane decide that he is going to save Abby, even though she told him not to. And then he had, like, someone else, maybe not necessarily that guy, but someone else who was also loved by people, like David Miller, died because Abby stayed in the bunker. Yep. Like, you did the same thing. Like, someone's loved one is dead now because you made a choice to save the person that you love. Where is the sympathy? (laughs) Like, I have so much sympathy because the show has told me that this is a thing that we can be sympathetic about. But why do the characters not have that sympathy? Because they needed to push this plot forward quickly. Because they literally, they need, they had, I guarantee they had Henry and Cusick for like one or two episodes. And they were like, well, we got to get this done now. So... Let's just do the thing that seems the most emotionally impactful, which is Cain sacrifices himself for the greater good. And you're like, yeah, on the surface, that makes sense. That's mm-hmm. exactly who he is as a character. He makes sacrifices. But when you start to, like, look at it close up, it just all falls apart. And, like, the way that he did it is just bad. Like, Yeah, it just, it falls apart. Like, on, like you said, on the mm-hmm. surface, it all makes sense. And it, like, ties everything in a neat little bow. But also, the second you start looking closer at it, it's just like, no. That's yeah. wrong. It's just wrong. It's a whole mess. Raven explains the deal to Kane and Indra. Kane doesn't think his life is worth more than Gavin's. Indra understands the different cultures they were all raised in weren't perfect. They've all done bad things. But if they let this stand, this world won't be any better than the one they left behind. Raven comes up with a plan to float the serum. There will be no way to make any more. See, so what you're saying is they could have just floated the serum. They literally could have just floated it. That's what's that's, implied in that scene. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought the plan was. Like that's so uh, clearly what okay. is implied is that they put the thing in the airlock and they push the button and nobody gets hurt. But Kane was like, "Hey, yep. what if I just wasted jump. not only my own life but also Gavin's life?" Yeah, that also doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, after somebody, after yeah. I just met somebody who loved him. Yeah, let me just waste his sacrifice that and let me not let her say goodbye to him again. Yeah, and that doesn't prove a point either. Like, yep. That doesn't do the thing that you're expecting it to do. And I like this scene because I love Indra in it. Everything out of Indra's mouth in this yeah. episode is perfect. Like, Indra's probably my favorite part. Indra and, like, Paige's acting because, Agreed. Wow. Because Indra immediately gets to the point of all of it and she understands all of it. Like, everyone, Kane and Raven are sitting here like, well, why did she do this? Like, I don't understand it. Why does my my life matter more? And it's Indra's like, it's because she loves you. Hello? Did anyone yeah. miss that? Where where have you yeah. been for the last four seasons? She's in love with you. Yeah, Indra. Indra's like, listen, your, your culture did something horrific, but you thought it was for the greater good and everything. My culture was doing something horrific and we thought it was for the greater good. Their culture is doing something horrific and they think it's for the greater good. Like, what is confusing here? Yeah. We can all think that everyone else's culture is doing something gross, but that doesn't make 
the way they feel about it any less valid. Exactly. And I think Indra also, like, understands, like, the sacrifice made and, like, is kind of on Abby's side at first, at least. Um, because oh, for she sure. also loves Kane. Like, that relationship yeah. has love in it, too. And she... I, I think Indra's perspective on Kane and Abby's relationship is one of my favorite to visit in. And I honestly hope we get more of it going forward because just from this episode and from 502 when she protects Abby for Kane and like gives them that moment before the fighting pits and all of that like she understands how much they mean to each other and they I think they both individually mean a lot to her and mm-hmm. I don't know I just really like this relationship I don't know where I was going with that but <laughs> well her her calling him her friend yeah. too it gave me feelings of like when Clark called Murphy her friend that one time in season three and I was like ah yeah <laughs> and like when she's she's looking at him and she's like we thought you were going to die and my my friend is standing in front of me now that's pretty impressive like maybe we do need mm-hmm. these people yeah D- yeah like I love the point where Kane was like they're letting these people think that they are gods and Indra's like they are kind of godish. Yeah. they're living forever exactly. they're immortal totally like yeah I'm totally with Indra through this whole storyline for yeah, sure yeah she does she's so good and like Kane bouncing between like telling Raven that she didn't try hard enough to convince Abby not to do this. Oh, that was stupid. After we thought she was so harsh too. Yeah, I was like, um, what? She she did like when it since when is that Raven's responsibility? Yeah, and like and then he turns right back around and calls Raven strong and like tells her that she's always known the right thing to do. When like she straight up was ready to murder Lexa for Finn and like cause a war. Hello? Raven has made her share of, like, impulsive emotional decisions. Raven, like, turns around and she's like, who are you even, Kane? I've never had a scene with you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We're not, like, friends. all of a sudden Raven knows Kane's worth. She's like, this is why we need you, Kane. And I'm like, yeah. what? And I'm like, yeah. you maybe knew him for, like, five minutes in season three, like, during the peacetime months. Like, yeah. exactly. Uh, How do you guys think that Kane expected this to go with Indra? Like, clearly, Indra is not saying the things that Kane expected her to say. What did you guys think he expected? Probably for her to be horrified at the science behind it. Yeah. Yeah, and to just have an ally to like figure out how to take it down because Indra is a very good strategist. And so she clearly does help come up with the plan of how they get rid of the Nightblood, and, and she's a good person to have is like strength and like getting one over on like the enemy right so i think he i think he expected her to help him figure out how to stop it Mm -hmm. but what doesn't what is so jarringly doesn't make sense to me is they both are like this is why we need you this is like you're an important part and of this like of our lives you come up with these plans that we need and then off screen they're like oh yeah you can die if you want yeah, but it, that's what doesn't make sense because they're like telling him how important he is and how much he means to them and to Abby. And then like they come up with this plan and then it's never implied in this moment that he's going to go with it, like that he's going to die himself. And then we're supposed to believe that when we weren't looking, he decided he's going to do, he's going to go with it. He wrote Abby a suicide note and then Raven and Indra are just suddenly okay with him floating himself for this to prove this point and sacrifice and ruin all the sacrifice that has been made so far and they're okay with Abby 
not knowing about it at all. Like, and like that doesn't track to me. Like, that's not who Raven and the fact that Raven would go along with that after yelling at Abby for like multiple episodes that like an innocent man died so that she could do that. And then she's like, well, it's okay if you waste that life though, because even though I fought you about it, that's cool now. Yeah, Raven's like, I helped you do something terrible. And as long as I don't have to look at that terrible thing I did, now it's gone. Right. That just like makes no sense. Why would she go along with the, with a plan that would waste the life that she had already talked about, like, was important to her in terms of morality. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. clearly she's against this, and she can keep being against it, but it doesn't make sense that she would just be like, okay, well, now that it's been done, you can just waste that sacrifice? Like, she can, it does. Ugh, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And um, another thing, sorry, that Raven mentions at the end of the scene that I think is really important is that they could find more, like, stuff for the serum on the ground, but they don't have a pilot to bring them back up to yeah. zero G. So there's no way of making more in that sense. I think it's... I mean, Amori's down there. True. But they're not going to do that. Do the, That's the same storyline twice they'll do. Yeah, uh... Given I, the fact that this is the same storyline twice from the Clark one, I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, they would do that's that. That's true. I also think it's um, kind of weird that no one here can fly a ship. Like, they all got here on a ship. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like... Like, one of the Lightborns should know how to fly a ship. Yeah, like, one of the original... The Lees did, apparently. Yeah, like, one of the Primes should know. So, was it the Lees were the only one that could, like, fly anything is that why they don't have a pilot now but also like are they gonna if indra and this is like getting into like future stuff so sorry if that's irrelevant but with the promo pictures that came out for next week's episode it looks like abby and raven are taken hostage by the primes and they do get back to the ground and blah 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 so I don't understand how we go from the people in space having the upper hand and getting rid of the polyp like of the night blood and having guards with guns trained on on Simone and all her guards to Abby and Raven being hostages. Mm-hmm. So how how do they get back to the ground if Raven doesn't fly them there? Right. She clearly does. But like why? <laughs> I don't why does it this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> if, especially if they know that like and I'm pretty sure they do know that like people are they're in trouble down there. Why would they want to go down there? Like I mean I guess Raven would go down and Abby would go down to save like the rest of space crew and Clark, Clark and space crew, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, how do they immediately lose their upper hand? Like, why would they not take mm-hmm. Indra and the guards? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. They're all ready to leave and go back down to Earth, but they can't find Marcus. Some of our friends enter with guns and take the serum away from Simone. Raven won't let Abby come along, but she eventually lets her. Like, okay, what was the point of this scene? You know what I'm also upset yeah. about in this episode? How many mm. times we start a scene where Kane and Abby are separate? If she had just gotten mm. him back like this, like, she's just gotten him back. Why is she going to go anywhere without him? True. Like, I understand giving him space or whatever to, like, think about it, but she would be so scared to lose him again that she she wouldn't have gotten on that ship without him in the first place. Right, yeah. Like, it's, yeah. Like, the more I think about the details like that, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't line up with who any of these characters have been for the last six years. Yeah. And, like, even little things, someone um, pointed out to me on Twitter, because I was making jokes because I have to laugh at this or I'll keep crying, and I... <laughs> 
I said something about Kane's hair, Kane's long hair looking the best it's ever looked when he's in this stupid airlock. And then someone replied to me that they had Abby sleeping on the wrong side of the bed when it's been like shown twice that she sleeps on the other side. So like even right. little details like that, I'm just like, where did where did we drop the ball with mm-hmm. who all the who have you told us these people are up until now? Like right. the like the the whole cabbie storyline this season has been like it, it's basically just been a mess. It's like they cared so much about this relationship for so long, and then they were like, oh, we have other stuff to focus on, so we're gonna uh kind of just ignore most of what we've already established because we have a goal to achieve, and that's killing Kane. And which is yeah, which didn't feel like that until this episode to me because until this episode, I I. Just genuinely thought that they were working on a way like they were pouring so much of Abby and so much of like time that they didn't have to dedicate to this storyline into her finding a way to save him that I thought that they were actually gonna like do it yeah like like I I thought it was gonna be for something yeah I understood her having her on this specific thing like this one specific thing and I even like brushed aside the disappointment of her not knowing about Clark because I thought this was going to serve a purpose that would get him back. And then, then she would find out about Clark and then she would like have to either like choose between saving Clark or saving Kane. And that would have also been another like horrible, painful for her to like make that choice. Cause you know, she's going to choose Clark, but, and, but yeah. they didn't do that either. <laughs> they, Sam, that's just too smart. Like, <laughs> right. Um, that would have been too impactful. Don't come on. Man. <laughs> It just, like, it seemed that this was going somewhere much more satisfying. And that's why, the like, up until now, I was okay with this being her main plotline. But then to have it... Yeah, because you thought she'd get the win. Yeah, and then it ends so abruptly. Like, she's going through all of this, like, pain about why she needs to save him. And, like, it's beautiful and heartbreaking. And, like, saving him will help her get her humanity back and, like, help her realize that she is also still a good person and like because it and it just didn't it didn't go there and I I don't want it to sound like I'm saying that the writing of this episode is bad in a vacuum it's it's actually quite good like a lot of the dialogue is so on point and but then like when you take it out of the vacuum of just watching this episode by itself it exactly it, it just it doesn't work because it doesn't that's what I was trying to say earlier in the podcast stay true to everything else. Yeah. yeah, like, I was talking, like, you weren't even in this part of the podcast, but I was trying to explain that I think Nikki uh, Goldwaser, or I'm hoping that's how her name is pronounced, and I'm <laughs> she'll never hear this, but I'm sorry if I got it wrong. Um, it, it, it's good writing. Like, she's a good writer. It's just that it doesn't fit. It's like, it's like a really solid, gorgeous puzzle piece that just won't fit into the rest of the puzzle. And you're like, well, what the hell? Individually, this all works. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it just, it belongs in an alternate universe of this of the entire rest of the show like exactly. if there was a a show that like showed me that this is what the the decisions that these characters would make at this point and they would track with who they were the entire rest of the show it would be perfect but it's not it it like each individual line makes sense and i see where it came from and like i feel the impact of it because I have cried so much over this episode so far but just look just looking at any other part of this story so far why is this the thing that's making you cry I don't know you're like I need to cry about how this episode's writing was actually really good it just didn't make sense it well it is really good because like the things that they all say to each other just mean it it does mean a lot but then 
it invalidates it literally invalidates itself which is like heartbreaking yeah and like it's just disappointing that the amount of care and love that has gone into this story for years ended this way in such a way that like yes tragedy has a place on television and yes heartbreak is a story that needs to be told but telling it in a way that makes everything else that happened before it not make sense like like if I was just sad about this ending like that that it ended that would be one thing like that would yeah. be a, a a hurt that like would make sense like I would understand it Monty and Harper and yeah like I would wait okay hang on hang on before we go forward let's have Robin summarize like this last scene and then we'll talk about all of it okay sure can I tell you some of my thoughts on this scene first uh yeah yeah um that are just kind of like not even about Abby and Kane, but about some of the other characters, which I think was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I think it's Indra who calls Simone the queen. Yeah. And it's like, that's really all that Indra has. <laughs> Indra's like, what? I like that detail a lot. <laughs> Explain that. So I thought that was really cool. Um, I also liked that Simone knew, like, from her face that this wasn't Abby. Yeah. You know, like, Abby's still in the clear with the primes. Oh, yeah. Like, Abby was as much shocked as much by this twist as Simone was. Yeah. Do you guys think they'll still hold her responsible for it, though? I think that they will take her hostage and force her to make more Nightblood. Um, and if she refuses, oh. they will do something. Kill Raven, probably. Yeah, they'll threaten Raven. She'll find out about Clark. And she's gonna she's gonna refuse because, like, she has nothing to lose except for Clark at this point. And as far as anyone inside Sanctum knows, she's already lost Clark. So yeah. she's gonna yeah. think she really has nothing to lose. Uh, so she's not gonna do anything you want anymore. Uh, since when is Nyla chill again? Nyla, yeah, what the heck? Nyla is, like, this, she, what? And, like, why would- Nyla's personality changes according to what the plot needs her to do. And, like, why did she suddenly also know that Kane was ready to yeet himself out the airlock? They were like, let's get Nyla to help. Like, why did literally- Even though she was fully, like, the reason why Kane went back into his coma in, yeah. like, the beginning of the season. Whatever. Like, why- why just, why did- everyone else in this raiding party know that that was the plan and why was everyone else okay yeah. with that plan and okay with abby not knowing about it like can yeah. we have some communication please so kane doesn't want abby to see which of course is like not helpful for the tv show aspect of <laughs> right. this but <laughs> raven knows that abby is not going to convince him to not do this so raven is like sure you can come watch him die I, like, yeah, I guess so. Because it's like this, at the end of the day, she's about to lose the person she loves, and Raven knows what's that what that's like. That's the first time since six oh two that Raven has seemed in character to me. Yep, right. Like, yeah, her having that sympathy. And I just want to reiterate, Raven does not have to be nice to Abby. Like I no. understand mm -hmm. that, like what Abby did to Raven is inexcusable, and I understand that. It's just that if you look at the whole picture of who Raven is, you'd think, oh, okay, she might have sympathy even if she can't empathize. Exactly. Like, she yeah. she should be able to understand. Like, she's, instead of acting like, this is wrong and I don't understand why you're doing any of it, you're a bad person. She could be like, this is wrong, I understand why you want to do it, but we're good people, we shouldn't. Yeah. And I like, mean, they had, a, yeah. they had a shot like that last episode where Abby said... If you could do this, would you? And all of the pieces were there for Raven to yeah. empathize with what Abby was saying. And then she didn't? Yeah. And I yeah, was like, exactly. you're in Shaw's room. You're in Shaw's room. You're mourning the same sort of loss. And you would have done the exact same thing. Like, the 
entire mid-season finale of season two culminates in Raven ready to start a war and kill the commander and God knows who else to get Finn back. Yep. Like, that's the same yeah. thing. Like, not if I had to kill someone else to do it. Yes, you would. That's the same plot twice. You've literally tried to do that before. Like, maybe if you... It would have made sense if she said that, like, after she'd had some, like, growth arc that we've seen from two to six, where, like, we saw her change and value individual lives. Value... Value... Where is the word I'm trying to say? Value life as a whole over individual lives. Mm -hmm. But, like, Mm -hmm. Raven has always valued individual lives above the others. Like, she... She yeah. isn't a, a save the sacrifice the few to save the many person. She is a sacrifice people who are in my way and I have deemed bad guys to save the people I love person. Well, that's tea. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. I, it's just Raven letting her say goodbye is the first time that she's shown any sort of sympathy for like an understanding for the position that Abby is in. And I just... I feel like I'm repeating mm-hmm. myself, so I'm sorry if I, I... I know there's a point I'm trying to make, but I don't know where it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, You're a whole mess. Yeah. Anyway, this is just another opportunity where it, it would be nice if Raven remembered the person she was before they went to space, is all I'm saying. Exactly. Great. Love it. All right, I'm going to summarize the final scene here, okay? Must you? What okay. if we just didn't talk about it? Uh, I think that... Well, we have to talk about I it. I need to talk about Lost at some point. <laughs> In this scene. Okay. Robin's uh, like, screw you guys, I need to make a lost joke. Please, please save that that sound clip so I can just use it uh in general. Just I need to talk about, about lost at some point. I need to talk about lost at some point. <laughs> like no sh Robin, we yeah. know. Okay, good. Alright, here we go. <laughs> Abby finds Kane in the airlock. Raven says she deserves to say goodbye. We see Kane as Kane again, and he reminds Abby of how much he loves her and how much she's done for him. Kane gets floated just as Jake did over 100 years ago now. Pass. <sighs> this we out hurts my entire body. The part that bothers me about this the most is just that it doesn't feel like there was any respect for Gavin's Thank sacrifice. You. And I think that we talked about this already, but that was the main like, thing that really bothered me. That's actually a huge part of what bugs that, me. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Marcus Kane would feel bad about this and, like, would have grief about it and, like, go through a, a process of mourning and struggling with trying to deal with his life being valued over Gavin's and, like, he it does make sense that he would be upset about it and that it would be something very difficult for him to live with, but it does not make sense that he would immediately waste that sacrifice. Like, Marcus Kane values sacrifice, and for him to immediately waste it doesn't make sense. He literally, one of his most iconic lines is that yeah. salvation comes at a price. Mm-hmm. And his salvation, what it came at the price of Gavin. So, like, why would he then go back and be like, oh, well, um, just kidding, even though my entire moral like basis as a character is that sacrifice should not be made in vain, I'm going to make Gavin's sacrifice be made in vain. Yeah. That's nuts to me. Yeah, it just doesn't it doesn't make sense with who he's been so far. And it's like if like the, the thing that like makes me kind of crazy is like I can't go ahead and like brazenly declare, you know, hashtag not my Marcus Kane. I say that as a joke, but like not actually. Um, I can't say this isn't what Kane would do because textually, canonically, this is what Kane did. So 
trying to make sense of that as a viewer, like as someone who just watches this show casually, if you're just kind of looking at it from the outside, you're like, well, wasn't the whole point of this storyline that an innocent man died and now you're throwing that body out of an airlock? So he not only lost his body, but his life for literally nothing. Yeah. That factually and like like logically makes no sense not even in line with like who kane is but like in terms of story that makes no sense exactly like that's what we were saying earlier with how we thought he would be around for a few more episodes like what was the point of any of this if this was how it was going to end the whole time exactly yeah because like abby's whole storyline this season has been a waste of time if if like i i i'm at the point where I wish they'd just killed Kane in 601 and like not wasted my time this whole season because they set up so many like and this is this is my this goes back to my whole it's a tragedy but you don't put that shit on screen thing is you have the whole season Abby building up hope and building up hope and the show itself is leaving us little clues that this like is something that could happen yep. like that he could be saved. Mm-hmm. I get if you're saying it's a tra- tragedy because it didn't work. But you have not communicated that to me. What you've done is wasted Abby's character for a whole season. Yeah. And they didn't use any of the avenues that they like. They they used the, the one thing that we knew wouldn't stick. Like having her go down this path was a plot device to get her involved in this in the icky moral side of the primes and like justifying it because it's for the person that she loves and like seeing her struggle with that decision would have like been more impactful if this had stuck for longer or if they had gone down another avenue to save him like the the tree sap and like the anomaly and like all of that is also right there and they didn't use any of that and it's now like you said like it would have made sense if this was going somewhere but now it doesn't and it feels wasted like they they wasted mm-hmm. Gavin's life just like and then they wasted this storyline. Like where is where is this supposed to go from here? Like I I don't understand how this is supposed to become satisfying in any way for anybody. And this was my whole issue with like season four as well is like you waste the audience's time with these plot lines that don't go anywhere. Yeah. Just because you need to kill time in between like getting to the finale. And I'm like, it's supposed to be a journey. You're not supposed to just like put filler in because you need space until you get to a certain plot point. Like that's my issue with season four. And I think season five did it a lot better until we got to like the battle at the valley where it was like, you know, is the valley okay? Is it not? And then you blow it up and you're like, well, what the hell was the point of that? Yeah. This show feels like sometimes it feels like you are running a marathon and then a brick wall is at the end of it. And it's, yeah. that That's why I'm so friggin' frustrated because, like, if Kane had had the kind of death that was noble, mm-hmm. I would have been fine with it. Like, that was my same thing with Lexa. Mm-hmm. That was my same thing with, like, a, a lot of other deaths on this show is if it had been a worthy death, it would have made sense. Can I, is this a good time for me to talk about Lost? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I think it is. Okay. I think it is with you saying that. So I'm upset because I was to- I have this in my notes and I was going to talk about it. And then, of course, the official The 100, I think, was it them or was it the writer's room who posted? No, it was the CW. It was the 100. It was the 100 account. Yeah. The 100 account posted about it. And I was like, I was going to connect that to Lost. You're not supposed to connect that to Lost. And that's my <laughs> job. So I'm disappointed so te- that they tell us what they did. Got to it before I did. But I had it written down. So 
Okay, so basically there is this big death at the end of season three of Lost. I'm going to be very vague about it, like I always am, um, just in case people want to hang out with us over on the Lost pod. We're spoiler free. Thank you. But it was like a very, very good death. It was a character that most people really, really loved and were very sad to see go. But that death is often, like if you see long lists of like best TV deaths of all time, it's almost always in the top five. Yeah. yeah. Because it was so, so, so well done. And so Brittany, you saying like, if his death had been noble, if it had been for like, like a really, really good cause, then um, it would have been better. And that was like the like big point of that death at the end of season three of Lost was that this character died a hero, unquestionably. Exactly. And and was it also kind of a, like, could he have, could they, <laughs> not even a guy, not gonna die. <laughs> um, could they have gotten out of dying in that moment? Potentially, but they made the sacrifice to save a character that Henry Ian Cusick yep. was playing um, and sacrificing themselves and sacrificing themselves for the greater good of everybody who was there. And Henry Ian Cusick, of course, was there and he was the other character who was on the other side of the glass who wasn't dying. And there's a very, very, very important moment in which the character that is dying and Ian's character touch their hands to the uh, other side of the glass. So like basically the death is happening on one side of the glass and Ian is on Mm -hmm. the other side of the glass. And so they touch Mm -hmm. their hands together. And like immediately I was like, that has to be what they're doing. That has to be an homage that they're making because I thought that when I saw Kane's death on Tuesday night, I thought this is very reminiscent of that death from Lost. I mean, obviously with a few little tweaks, it could have been just as good, but it's very Mm -hmm. reminiscent of it. And ultimately if he if it had been a little bit more triumphant slash um, noble was the word that you used. I think it could have been a little more elevated, but it was definitely reminiscent of it. And I'm a big fan of that concept. I feel like that's what I feel like giving him a noble death is what they were trying to do. Oh, for sure. Like, like the intention, the intention is very much there. Like, Oh yeah. The dialogue is very noble. The like, his intentions behind what he's doing make, like, I understand the intention is to sacrifice himself for the greater good and save Abby's morality in the process. But it doesn't actually do that. Like, it doesn't save her. It it doesn't save Gavin. It, it doesn't stop the genocide of the people on Sanctum who are sacrificing their lives for the primes. It doesn't do any of the things that he's saying it's going to do. Like, it, he could have just, used his life to prove that the primes have been lying and that they're, like, you don't stay in the body. Exactly. Like, he, like, he right, can prove right. that Gavin is gone. He can prove that, like, the primes can do this for anyone if they actually tried. Like, anyone yeah. could be a prime. Like, he could, he could take down their whole system. But instead, he left Abby to do that on her own. That that's what hurts the most to me is that he that they would write him thinking that this is better for her. Yeah. Like it's so insulting to to tell that character and to tell the audience and everyone who cares about both of their characters that she's better off without him. Which is it's just so insulting. Nuts. And like it's so it's so tone deaf to keep doing that and to keep telling these characters that that killing yourself proves a point. 
Yep. Like, it's so harmful to say that. And to frame it, to frame it as something that is, like, noble. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. A sacrifice is noble. This was not a sacrifice. This was a suicide. This was something that, you know, with suicide was inherently self-motivated. And And so, therefore, has no nobility in it. And if anyone had actually thought about that, they would have understood, you know, after Jasper's death, that maybe martyrdom and suicide is not the way that you should be going on this show. And it's like... It's like romanticizing that suicide, yeah. which is yeah, so hurtful. The, yeah. Like, like people who have suicidal thoughts, like have those thoughts for a reason, and it's very dark, and it's very, it's, it's very hard to watch someone go through that. Having been in that place, I can tell you that you you definitely do think you're doing other people a favor, but at the same time, you know deep down that you're not. Yeah. And that what you're doing is not a sacrifice, but is in fact the only way out. You know it. Like, there is, there is a part of you that knows exactly what you're doing. I know, for me anyway, I know that's exactly how I feel. And I think anyone who has not experienced those kind of emotions, and I would go as far as to say that I think that at the very least, the showrunner of this show has not felt those emotions, just based on interviews that he's given and... um the way that he writes these things, there's no understanding of what being in that dark place is like. And so there's no care given to it. It's just, oh, here's an idea of what I think this is like. And it's like, no, 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 no. You have no concept of what bad mental health is like. And it's just, it romanticizing it in such a way is just so hurtful. And for me, I'm just like, it's 2019 and you're romanticizing suicide. Like, what is this, 13 Reasons Why? Like, stop doing this. Like, it just makes me angry. It doesn't make me sad. I'm just like, at, at some point, I'm just like, this is just a joke. Like, I'm, I don't take this seriously anymore. Like, there is a way to write that kind of storyline that and make it respectful and, like, and understanding of the people who have been in that place. Mm-hmm. But this, this wasn't it. This isn't, this didn't seem like something he'd actually thought about. It, it just seemed like, well, I, I quit. Like, that's what it felt like. Yep. And, and that just hurts even more. Like, having him actually sacrifice for something. Like, and, and, and. Like, Robin's right. Like, the death and lost had way more impact. That was how you did this plotline. And like, it, ooh, having him tell her that she's stronger than he is and she can do this without him is not an excuse. No. Like, that. That takes That's him that's him making himself feel better before he goes and just completely ruins her life. Like that takes something that is such an inherent good part of her character and like who she is as a person and like her strength and her perseverance and her determination to do the right thing and keep saving people and and it it, it warps it into this ugly horrible thing to like leave her alone and like use it as a, an excuse that she can keep doing that without him and it's like no you're hurting her by doing this like you are doing more harm than you are good and and knowing in your heart that eventually she'll be able to handle this and like keep doing the right thing and keep being who she is as a person like that's great she is a great person she is strong but that's that's not an excuse 
Like, that doesn't justify what you're doing. One of the things that I thought was, like, majorly, majorly missing from this scene was him telling her to either close her eyes or look away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I really, I expected him to at least at some point say, like, just don't, like, don't look, you know? I mean, in in Lost, there's a scene that's similar to this in season three, quote, close your eyes, freckles, in which it's, like, kind of a, almost an, a near-miss execution scene, mm-hmm. in which it's like, please don't yeah. look, please close your eyes. Yeah. Um, and so watching this, like, I was just waiting for him to tell her, yeah. Not to watch. Yeah. And he never did. Exactly. Um, which I think was a was an oversight. Yeah. And like all he says is, I didn't want you to see this, but like he doesn't actually try to stop her once she's there. And like he's like, I didn't want you to mm-hmm. see this. And I'm like, then why did you choose the exact method of death that like you helped put her husband in? Like, yeah. He was there last like, time. No, was he no not? he's not in this. He's not in that scene. But the show, but the oh, show has there. heavily implied blamed and blamed that he's the one that arrested. Yeah, him. and blamed Jake's death on both Kane, Abby, gotcha. and yeah, even Jaha. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. so you decided to like, you know, poetically, it's like, oh, okay, everything came full circle. But at the end, I'm like, what a cruel thing to do to someone that you love. This whole thing, so this is cruel. not an act of mm-hmm. sacrifice. This is just straight up cruelty for no reason because you could have just as easily stuck that damn nightblood in the airlock and shot it out into space. You could have dumped yeah. it down a and drain. We, yeah, like this This was the wrong way to do it all. It just and such another a waste. thing that bothers me about this scene is he doesn't cry. Yeah. Like, oh. I, I do think that Paige did a phenomenal job, 100%. And I also think Ian did a really great job, like delivering the lines that he delivers here with a an amount of gravitas that like makes me cry every time I watch it was great. But Kane has also been shown as a character who is Emotional. in touch with that yeah. emotional side and that vulnerability and that ability to be someone who like, he is a strong character who is also soft and cries when he is going through something traumatic and this is something traumatic and he didn't, he, he didn't cry. He didn't like even even in the final moments when he's looking at her, he's just completely stoic. And I'm like, where did you go? Yeah. And it just like mm. it completely th- this final thing kind of just like I'm like, did you love her? Did you love your morals more? You know, like, did you want to be the hero more or did you want to like stay with the person that you loved? And I'm like, that's such a bull. Like the whole thing is just like and I know this is the thing that freaking gets me is I like Sam's crying and I'm like, I'm not allowed to cry because if we cry or we show emotion or we say, hey, this plot line was bull, we will be mocked mercilessly and like sound bites will be taken from this. Like people will listen to this specifically to hear what we have to say, to hear us say that so that they can like refute every single thing that we say. So like, I'm trying very hard to not be like, hey, this death was unfair because at the end of the day, people are laughing at us. And people are laughing at, like, how we feel about this. And I've seen it. So, like, I feel like I'm not allowed to express how I feel about this. But at the end of the day, how I feel about this is that this took a relationship that I, like, was so in love with for, like, five years and invalidated it at the very end. Like, this was the end of a relationship that I loved above all other TV relationships. Which sounds stupid because, like, they're TV shows, right? But it, it meant something to me. No, no that's it's not, not stupid. stupid to care about something like this. Like, that's the point 
of fiction is to is to affect people this way is to like have you invest in these lives and like care so much about these characters like that the best fiction is is fiction that does that is fiction that means that much to you and to have it end in such a way like and the sh it's it's upsetting because the show has done that so many times to so many different characters and yeah. groups of people that it's just sad because this this show has the potential to be so incredibly wonderful impactful and like tell a story about humanity like about yeah. humanity and fighting for who you love and like it has that potential it's all right there and like it does that itself in the way that it gets you to care about these relationships and about these characters and then it it hits a it hits a bump in in our reality like it hits an an actor conflict or it hits a like it hits a writing conflict outside of like the context of the, the the fictional reality it sacrifices that fictional reality in a in a way that yeah. doesn't work like in the world of the show that they've built like lexa could have had a an emotionally satisfying narrative death where she decides to like she dies for clark in another way or like she dies like proving the point that life is about more than just surviving and 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 they put those words in in her mouth and in Kane's mouth and in Lincoln's mouth and like in the mouths of these characters they they put the words in their mouths to try and carry across that intention of like that's what they're dying for but they don't actually have that death mean anything like the death doesn't yeah. mean that like the death feels undermined by what they're saying like having Lexa die from a spare bullet having Lincoln like choose to a black man shot in the head yeah. and like having Kane choose to kill himself it's just that's not what any of these characters stood for up until this point and like you made me care about them you made me like feel this connection to them and then you you took it away in a way that invalidated everything you just told me well I think because the like if I'm thinking about it from like a marketing point of view the shock value and the brutality of these deaths, I think, is what the show thinks will be the most entertaining for the audience. Like, that's going to be like, you know, like, that's television, you know, like, this guy gets shot in the head and she gets randomly shot and he shoots himself out of an airlock and wow, that's TV. And I'm like, first of all, no. And second of all, if you think of all the good TV deaths they're ones that actually are not a spectacle. Yeah. Like they want to make spectacles of these deaths. And I'm like, that's not entertainment. I'm not looking to sit mindlessly in front of a TV and like, just be like, oh, that guy's dead. And, and that's the end of it. Like, I want to be invested in that death. I want to think about that death. I don't want to ruminate on how wasted it was because they were more interested in the visual part of that death and the shock value part of that death. Like I, I don't care about that. Yeah, I don't want it to have, sh like, it doesn't need to shock me. It needs to, like, it needs to mean something to me. It doesn't yeah. need to shock me. It just needs to matter. And that's, like, why Monty and Harper's deaths were so perfect. Yeah. And I, I blame Game of Thrones for a lot of the sh more shocking side. Because yep. I feel like they did that really successfully once. Game of Thrones did that really well one time. And then they, they also... And the rest of television was like, we need to do that over and over and over again. Yeah. And even Game of Thrones then became a parody of itself 
where it kept doing that thing and it that doesn't work you you do it once and you do it impactfully that one time and then you stop and then you have people and i mean it's just like the hundreds been doing that since wells died and everyone's like okay you did it that one time and then they killed anya and they killed Lexa, and then they, and they killed, killed Lincoln, and, and then they killed and Jasper, Jasper and, and Maya, and it's like, Maya's death, also good. Maya's death was a lesson. Yeah. But at this point, I'm just like, okay, like, oops, I accidentally uh, turned- Alexa, stop! <laughs> the the conflict of talking about uh, the hundred and having yeah. a, an Apple- yeah. That Amazon thing. I don't know. It's just like, at the end of the day, like, this relationship meant so much to me. And for it to end this abruptly and this brutally and this, like, this was basically the end of Kane and Abby's relationship was empty. Right. Like, there, there's, it's hollow. There's nothing, there's nothing to be learned from it. The whole lesson of their relationship is if you have hope and you push and you push and you really, like, you sacrifice yourself, at the end of the day, you get nothing. Yeah. That's a like it's just horrible. That's the message. And like I know I know that the show was not trying to send that message, but the problem is that this show unintentionally does more damage than it ever like imagined it would. And that's the whole point of the hundred. That's it's just disappointing because like the show puts all the pieces there to do it right and then and then at the last minute kicks them, turns left. And Yep. It like it, it lays the puzzle pieces out and then it just scatters all of them and is like, well, screw that. And like I said, like earlier, I understand that this is affected by so many other factors that aren't on the screen. And like Oh for sure. I and an effort was made in various ways, but it's just like I if an effort was made the whole season and then they blew it right at the end. Right. And if it didn't feel so hollow Like, if it felt like it actually meant something and, like, something actually changed and something got done, like, if Kane had died after proving a point to the primes and saving all the nulls and, like, breaking down this society that is clearly wrong and, like, if he had died in that kind of battle, it would have still hurt to see Abby have to lose him and it would have still hurt and, like, told a a tragic story of him giving up his life for the greater good, but it would have meant something. And it would have like, it would have made me feel like narratively and emotionally. And it would have made, it would have tracked with the rest of the story and it would have still had the same impact that I think that they were going for with this scene. And it, it wouldn't have made me feel sick about it because it, it just, it would have made sense. This part, this doesn't make sense. And that's why every single time that I think about it, like, you know that feeling where, like, the back of your neck feels, like, tense and and cold and, like... Will Byers knows what you, you mean. You know what I'm, Does that make sense? Like, big Will Byers energy. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Mine is always, like, I feel sick to my stomach, but, yeah, I know what like, you mean. Yeah, I feel sick to my stomach, but I also, like, the sense of dread just comes over me that... I, and I don't care if people listen to this and think that I'm being hysterical. Like, whatever. If this happened to someone you care about in the same way, like, we all have our different characters. And I feel like a little bit of empathy is also just all it takes to understand how people are feeling about this. Oh, please. This is the 100 fandom. There's no empathy here. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, decent people have empathy. And if, if you're a decent person, you'll understand how people... Um, how people feel about this. <laughs> the, the simplicity of that shade is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. 
I only have and, a few more minutes but, left here, but I did have a couple other um, questions. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think we've we've got yeah. most of our thing out of the I way. I mean, all all I, all I wanted to say is just that it. Abby Griffin deserved better. Abby Griffin deserved better. Abby Griffin could have moved on more realistically from a like I. I just, I feel like I'm in her shoes in this situation for some reason. But, and maybe that's because Abby is the character that I've connected to most during the entire series. But I feel like it's going to be so much harder for her to move on because this felt like such a waste. And if it didn't feel like a waste to the audience and to Abby as well, it would have been easier for her to move on. It would have been easier for all of us to move on. It would have been easier to accept the beautiful, impactful heartache of this moment, but it's all just soured by it feeling like a waste. Right. Okay. Robin, ask your questions. <laughs> I just wanted to point out the fact that Indra memorized the Traveler's Blessing. I thought that was beautiful, and that is another part that makes me cry every single time. Like, it could have been Raven. It would have made sense because Raven knows the Traveler's Blessing because she's part of Sky Crew. But the fact that it was Indra was really impactful, I think. I think that was one of the, the most well-done parts of this scene. Um, mm. Her, it, it just really shows the connection that the three of them had, both before the bunker and through those six years that we never saw. Yeah. And then um, my last thing was just that I think it's important to note that uh, Kane took one of the Prime chips with him. Yep. He took one of the Lees, so we are down a prime chip. We've got... Um, I mean, the Lees were gone because what, they erased them left? anyway. Right, exactly. But um, but we only have 12 chips left. You know what's weird to me? They never tried to make more chips. Like, right? like I feel like if they reverse engineered them to do this purpose, they could have... It's just a fancy brain flash drive. Like, you could have mm. made more. If you guys figured right. out all the way to do this to how to switch a person in a new consciousness, you could have made another flash drive. Yeah. So now we're going to do segments. Um, my first segment is the post-apocalyptic sass watch, which is our favorite line award. Mine goes to Josie for B O O H O O. That's harsh. Okay. And mine goes to Raven for We are a go for launch. All we need now is the second coming of Marcus King. And here is Sam's favorite line award. So Sam, both me and Brittany have already recorded our favorite line awards. Do you have one? It's okay if you don't. Um, I guess I will, uh, hmm. Give me, give me just a second. Let me look at my review because I pulled all my favorite quotes to that. Sure. While you guys do that, I just want to, um, say two things. One is... Me not wanting to continue the show after this season is not because a dude died, just like for the record. It's that I don't want to watch whatever happens to Abby because I started watching the show for Abby and seeing the way that her storyline has played out over the last two seasons has not been fun. And two, I just want to like find a way to say goodbye to cabby i guess because that relationship has been like everything to me and it's like one of the many reasons that like sam and i got together <laughs> so i don't know like bitch i'm not gonna cry because i don't want to be bullied on the internet you can cry it's okay yeah their relationship just meant a lot to me and they gave me hope when i didn't have a lot and i know that sounds stupid it doesn't it's literally not stupid. Y'all y'all are pretending that you crying is like a huge deal. Y'all, I have cried like a bajillion <laughs> times on these podcasts. Crying is not like do not be ashamed to cry. I'm so ashamed La to in cry. The season 5 finale, y'all, I was a goddamn man. Exactly. I 
there's so much shame like I related to this just because of the way the hundred fandom is. I understand you know your, your fear there, but I I just want to validate you in those feelings and just remind you that anyone who anyone who looks at this maliciously and seeks out another person's pain over a, a relationship or a character or anything is just lacks so much empathy because everyone cares about different relationships and different shows and different characters and they all impact people who are this invested in impactful ways and I feel like just any modicum of empathy like oh if this happened to my character they would get it so like anyone who doesn't have that inherent empathetic like goodness in them isn't worth your time and like aren't worth listening to because that's just a that's just a malicious person and I feel bad for them that they don't have any kind of sympathy in their hearts to like put themselves in anyone else's shoes for two seconds yeah I'm just like yeah I'm just burned out and I'm tired of like having to always be like like restrain and always like try and do like you know try to pretend that like the 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 viciousness that comes out of some people is not psychologically damaging because it is oh yeah and like is it over a tv show yeah is it stupid yeah is it the stuff that people say like cut you right to the core a hundred percent so like i feel like as someone who, like, had so much of Kate and Abby's relationship, like, th- like the good parts of it threaded through my own, I'm not allowed to mourn this relationship because I will be considered, like, stupid. And I already am a stupid. Like, I don't need other people to know that. <laughs> I know. I've been saying it. You don't have to say it. I will say it. <laughs> you don't have to say it. And I love you both so freaking much, but I have to uh, I understand. <laughs> so Sam, do you have a favorite line award? Yeah, I guess I'm gonna give it to the the I love yous at the end. I need you. I love you. I love you too. I love you more than I ever thought I could love anyone. I'm gonna do my next segment, which is the most valuable protagonist award. I don't know. Bellamy? <laughs> Bellamy? Yeah. Bellamy, I guess? Uh, sure. Mine is the Octavia Black shower watch slash which MILF was the most badass. Um, I guess Octavia took a bath in the anomaly. I guess. <laughs> yeah. How many episodes since the last murder? Cool. I think we're down. Neat. And then we're gonna do our trailer reaction? Yeah, for the five second trailer. <laughs> Alright, three, two, one, play. The barrier between our minds is breaking down. Y'all, I definitely thought that was Jenga. I thought it was <laughs> Jenga, God. but it's You're not. You're an out-of-control person. <laughs> okay. Congratulations, just... there was nothing in that promo. Yeah. We didn't even see Clark. Okay, so it's all of Josephine's books, right? It's it's all of Josephine's books in Clark's mind space, correct? Yes. Yeah. And, like, there, Josie... We see Brooke in the corner there. Yeah. So, and, and so it looks like it's all the Josephines. Oh, Brooke. Potentially. Is that... Oh, it does like, look... Over it looks by... like someone who had a baby. That's what oh, I was is... thinking. It's like maybe that's Russell and Simone when she was born, maybe? No, I think that looks like the Josephine before Clark Yeah, uh, taking a null baby. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So now, so the, the barriers are being broken. Um, the wow, the, the airlock opening is not great after last episode. Yeah, thanks. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass. Thank you so much. Yeah. They probably didn't even think about and it. And then this is what Brooke being like just getting erased, I guess. 
Yeah, I guess so. Or just yeah. like hiding and uh, this is weird. And Josie deteriorating. The special effect of Josie uh, fading away is really cool. That as is far so as like super, like is this cool. just going to be Nevermind again? Like you know? Yeah, probably. I can't tell, but well, it's not going to be. Which one? I liked Nevermind, Nevermind so that's was fine. Fantastic. Yeah. It's just I I wonder if this is where those promo pictures of Clark that we never that were in her mind space again after Nevermind that we did not see. Right. I wonder if this is where those are from. Sure. Also, like, can we get to the 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 point of this storyline? Yeah, right? Like, like the novelty has worn off. Yeah. Well, like, I, I loved Clark and, like, I, I, this is, it's fun to watch, but it's also, like, becoming too stressful. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, thank you so much to Sam for joining us for this um, storyline. You were so helpful in, and I think, Everybody who listens will also agree that um, having you on was really important. So thank you for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, Frick, I hope it helped someone. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, Thank you for letting me keep talking about this to try and make it make sense. Um, Yeah, and if anybody wants to read my review of this episode and get what my thoughts were on paper, uh, that's up at Telltale TV. Yeah. Where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet at SamKCC on Twitter and Instagram. Um, That's S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-C. Yeah, I know it verbally sounds phonetically really weird, and but that's what it is. (laughs) All right. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Uh, Please, if you are so inclined, write us a review on iTunes. We like those, and we also have a survey. It's in the description. It's perpetually open, and um, we just love to hear from you. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show, too. You can check out three seasons of that and one season of Chilling Adventures with Sabrina on that feed. If you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show, too. Um, We are currently finished season one and on the decline into the end of season two. And we have guests over there. Uh, They are super long podcasts if you're into those. And they are super, super fun. Spoiler free. So you can watch along. Um, It's on Amazon Prime, I learned. Yes, it is. And it's on Hulu. Wow. (laughs) Go watch it. I love you. If you're... Tweet me if you're watching it. Be my friend. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we'd like to talk about that show, too. We just finished season three, and we have a whole season three sort of reactions podcast. Yeah. Uh, will it be up by then? Uh, yes, it, it is up tomorrow as we're recording yeah. this. So we did a so. long-form podcast for every episode of season one, and then we have a three-hour-long, um, like, half-an-hour pieces of our reactions to each episode in season three as we are watching them. So that's also spoiler-free. If you haven't seen season three yet, you can uh, watch those little pieces or listen to the little pieces as you go. It's fun. And you sh- you should do that because we get in knockdown drag out fight in the last one. Yeah. It's pretty fantastic. <laughs> you yeah. can follow at the aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebel, YouTube, mostly Twitter. I do post all of our favorite line awards on Tumblr. And um, I've also been writing on our Instagram story. So check it out. Thanks. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it because hosting is expensive. It's ridiculous. Yeah. There are, we have four feeds. We have to pay for SoundCloud Pro on all of them. Uh, you get um, early access at least one day for every single one of our podcasts. So obviously we're going to keep uh, offering this for free, but if you think that our content is worth something, we would really love your help and your support. Uh, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. You can follow me on Twitter at Abritania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And the next episode is episode 610. It's called Matryoshka, I think is how you pronounce it. And it's basically just another name for a Russian nesting doll. So that's interesting. 
um i'm excited to find out what that's about yeah okay love you bye okay, love you bye love you bye